This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by David McDonald. David, happy holidays to you, my friend. How were your festivities? Awesome. Thank you very much. And the same to you and yours, as they say. Um, it was great. We had a wonderful time. We uh, spent family, not f- well, I mean our extended family, um, our friends and their family has really become our family and they are lovely people and... Uh, a very nice house in the middle of nowhere in Amish country, a gorgeous home that we Airbnb'd. It was, it was just wonderful. You know, it, was, it felt very, very Christmassy. And as a kid growing up, my Christmas has kind of stunk. Um, so I, we always try to, I don't know. I don't know if it's, just, if, it's, if it's outdue. I don't think that's the right word. But we do try to make it special. And I think it was a home run all the way around. And uh, it was lovely. It was really nice, really nice, and 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 here we are, Joel, just days away before both of our asses are, are on airplanes and flying across. <laughs> as I set myself into a panic, uh, flying across many miles to Tokyo, Japan, and Wrestle Kingdom weekend. It is here. David, we are a pair of Santa Clauses right here. We're dishing out the presents. Hand over fist. So yesterday we did a tremendous episode of Wrestling Omakaze on the Voices of Wrestling Network with the host John Carroll and Joe Lanza from the Voices of Wrestling flagship. We did over three hours of audio discussing New Japan's year-end review, how it was in 2019. And I had a great time doing that because we don't actually do an end-of-year review show. So it's really nice to be able to get together in that virtual room with John uh, with Joe and shoot the shit about how New Japan's been. It's it's what a pleasure that was. And look, let's let's pull back the curtain a little bit. I was in no frame of mind to do anything, let alone uh, talk pro wrestling. Right? Let's 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 be honest. Um, and I got on that thing, and that that three hours felt like it was five minutes because we were on with. I think pros to talk pro wrestling. Like, there's a big difference between getting your buddies together, getting a couple microphones and a recorder, and talking wrestling and making it entertaining. We were with pros. Lanza, who I think who, who grew up in the same market as me, right? Sports radio, New York, Philadelphia, right? You do not get more passionate radio than that, and he's all over it. And you could, you, I could hear the little cues and the little things and the little, and I'm like, oh, he, he knows. He, he, Joe Lanza knows. And then John Carroll does an outstanding job. Uh, John has guts. And that I, 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 I just, it, I enjoy listening. I enjoy uh, uh, the takes. I enjoy the show. Uh, and then, you know, you add your flavor and your spice and, and your wit and your, your thought-provoking 
comments and questions. It, it was just a pleasure. It was three hours that flew by, um, and it was, it was wonderful. Um, I, I, I can't recommend, if you're a fan of this show or if you're a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling and you're hopping in because you heard the buzz about this show, check out. Check out Wrestling Omikaze. It's, it, it, this show was so much fun, and I guarantee it's going to jar your memory and be like, oh, shit, I forgot about that match. And, oh, my God, I remember that. Because we went through the entire calendar year of 2019, every show. And I'm telling you what, Joel, we could probably could have gone another hour. Yeah, definitely. Maybe you could do it in two parts next time. But I totally agree with that. And if you would just allow me to sort of mark out for a bit, the three of you... Damien, yourself, John, Joe, were people that a couple of years ago, I was just a listener. I was a huge fan of the New Japan Purocast and the Voices of Wrestling flagship and wrestling, Omakase. And I appreciated you guys and your work as a fan. And now it's such a treat for me to be a part of that and to be able to sit in and directly talk to all of you. And I'm sure all of you listeners will get a kick out of it too. So if you haven't already done so, please do check out that episode of Wrestling Omakase, which you can find on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network feed, or you can uh, find it on Twitter. I believe the Twitter handle is at Wrestle Omakase. So definitely worth checking out. And uh, we also have another Christmas gift for you, which is a 53-minute-long interview with the wonderful Kevin Kelly. Damon, talk to us about that. What an <laughs> absolute joy that was. You know, there are there are times when you just feel good about being alive. And, and right now, if you could see my grin, it's, it's, it's there. What a, what a pleasure it is to have him on. It's, it's, and it's become an annual tradition, like a little pre- Wrestle Kingdom talk that we have with Kevin. And, you know, I always, we have people all the time, why don't you have this wrestler on? Or, or maybe I can get this guy on. And it's, we always are like, me and Joel are always like, thanks, but I don't know. I don't know. But, and the reason, one of the biggest reasons is, is that we just don't think that pro wrestlers are going to give us anything, right? It's not going to be compelling audio. I just, I, I don't know. I don't think we're going to get anything. But then you get a Kevin Kelly who comes on with wit and honesty and he gives it from the heart and the brain and and he, he, he speaks so well and you give him a topic and he just goes with it. And he, he it is legitimately the easiest thing I probably did all day today was just talk pro wrestling with you, Joel, and Kevin Kelly for an hour. Uh, and look, I'm not going to lie. The kind words that he had to say about this show and Voices of Network, uh, Voices of Network, Voices of Wrestling Network, I, say, I can't even talk now, uh, was unbelievable. And, you know, for, for me to sit and do a nonsense podcast talking about <laughs> pubes and, and dick jokes and you name it, you know the show, you know what we do. And to have, I don't know, validation that that from a, from a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast perspective, I think we're doing I think we're doing a good job. And that I don't know. I mean, that's uh, 
I'll, I'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, so please do stick around for the end of the show. We're going to do our Wrestle Kingdom preview and prediction first, and then at the end, you'll get to enjoy that interview with Kevin Kelly. And it's a really good one, even if we say so ourselves, because Kevin is always very candid with us and makes for tremendous listening. So let's get into the tough questions, first of all, Damon. Uh, Japanese Retro Gaming Center has got two questions for us. First of all, you've got your WhatsApp to hand. Uh, Japanese Retro Gaming Center says, will you be drinking this on the 4th? Uh, I'm going to send you a picture now, Damon. If this doesn't get you excited for your trip to Tokyo, then nothing will. So it should be wigging its way to you on the interwebs. There it is. Right, right. Ah, the peach. The fucking peach. The peach strong zero. Ah, I will. That'll be down my fat gullet with, with great haste. Yep, that might be number one. That might be number one on the on the Damon self-destruct tour <laughs> yeah that doesn't that look del- delicious Joel doesn't that look like number one on your list it does mine oh, I can taste it already my friend yeah, yeah. oh my god yeah peach Whew. this is gonna be good yeah so, yeah that that one will be that might be first one if I see that one first that that one that one's a must buy and the second question says What's your favorite version of Fami Chiki? So Fami Chiki is, I believe, the little fried chicken steaks you can get at Family Mart. Oh, yeah. And Japanese Retro Gaming Center says, I prefer the spicy one, mm-hmm. but you can't go wrong with the original or that Hawaiian one that they have. Mm. I haven't done Hawaiian one. I would probably go spicy because I do like like the spicy chicken. Again, the way that they fry things, it's not greasy and overly battered and... And, and the crisp is the right amount of crisp. Oh, shit. It's only a couple days to go. I mean, only a couple days to go. That is, that's heaven right there. That is absolute, that, those two pictures, that's heaven right there. That, that's <laughs> just beautiful, a beautiful image. So if you're struggling with a flight, just open up your phone, look at the Strong Zero picture, look at the Fabi Chicky, and everything will be all right. Yeah, uh, I've already had, I've, uh, let me get on mic. It'll be helpful. Uh, I already had a bit of a. Yesterday was a meltdown day. I'm not gonna lie. Yesterday was was a was a was a. <laughs> I couldn't like it was just stuck in my th- throat. I couldn't like speak. It was that bad, and I'm just like, oh boy, here it is. And I knew it was coming all day. And, and you know how you just try to push it down and push it down and push it down and like literally. 10 minutes before we were supposed to do the show with John. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm in the midst of it. <laughs> so, so this, honestly, these pictures will help. I have lots of little pictures and little tricks. I have a whole, I have a whole folder full of let's get through this flight, Damon pictures. Um, I want to know, tell us some of the pictures, please. I was, okay. was going to ask if you have any strategies or things you look at to help yeah. get you through it. So I have, um, I have, a, I have a screenshot. There's a there's a site called uh, Flight. It might be Flight Tracker or Flight something. And basically, what it is is you know it's a flight tracker. <laughs> That's the name. <laughs> pretty pretty original. Um, and I have a screenshot of all the flights that were in the air at that time, and it was just thousands of flights. Uh, so it's it's kind of a realization that it's not about you, Damon. It's about you know. Everybody, everybody's in the air. You know what I mean. And 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 all these flights that happen each and every single day, 
you're good, right? Two, I have a, uh, I bought a book um, that talks a little bit about flying and um, uh, specifically turbulence. Is, it, there's a line that says turbulence might be uncomfortable, but it's not. You're not in danger, right? You're not going to get hurt. Um, it stinks and nobody likes it, but you're not going to get hurt. Um, and then there's there's just random. I have Tokyo Dome pictures and pictures of friends there and food and good times and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I kind of got this whole thing going. Um, and it's it's def, it's look it's one one thousand percent travel anxiety. I'm not a good flyer. Um, and just you know, fourteen hours on a fucking plane, it's uh, it's torturous. <laughs> but I have plenty of uh, stuff to get me through, and uh, the 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 staff on that airplane is going to be a little busy <laughs> because they're going to be. Can I have another one, please? Is going to be the phrase of the day. May I have another, please? Because uh, I am going to be I'm going to be nice, nice and, and lubricated. Uh, while we fly, they're going to think I'm freaking Terry Gordy for crying out loud on this flight because <laughs> I'm going to be going for it. Uh, but here's the thing once the wheels touch down, I'm ready to go. And then, you know, then it's the night before. Uh, then I panic again. But uh, for those eight days, whoo, I'm a fucking gem. <laughs> I'll be good. Well, let's focus on the positive then. Uh, P. Holland asked, What is your Joe Lanza style path of glory for Wrestle Kingdom week? Ah, path of glory. Refresh my memory. What is what is what is the path of glory? I believe it's all the different shows that oh you would be going to throughout that week. And right. I don't, I'm just going to Wrestle Kingdom Night One and Two. I'm not doing any others, but I do have my own path of glory, which is all the food that I'm going to eat for my week in Tokyo. So my path of glory is going to be yakitori, which are those little uh, barbecued char grilled skewers of meat. Love those. Definitely got to get those. Few beers. Absolutely delicious. Uh, some tonkotsu ramen, which is uh, the noodle soup. And the soup's made from the pork bone broth. And they boil those pork bones for like 20 hours, make it nice and thick and rich and porky and delicious. Uh, what else? I'd like to get some okonomiyaki, that uh, kind of pancake thing they cook at the table. Mali's not so keen on that. Definitely going to be hammering the sushi, particularly the tuna sushi, tuna sashimi, because the... You just you can't get it that good anywhere else. Once you've had tuna sushi in Tokyo, in Japan, there's no going back after that. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to going to be getting some sukiyaki. I've never had that before. So um, let me look up exactly what sukiyaki is because there's a Thai version of sukiyaki, which is not the authentic Japanese one. So uh, it is a Japanese dish. It's like a kind of hot pot of meat which is slowly simmered in a sweet sauce so mm. very excited about that so that's my my path of glory all the stuff that i'm going to eat I, that sounds wonderful and and i i would love to follow in your footsteps on that uh, mine's a little bit different and this trip is a little bit different because for many trips over it's been me solo right um and me uh going to as many wrestling shows that I could squeeze into the time there. So again, I would go to everything. You know, if it's at First Ring, I'm there. If it's at Cork and Hall, I'm there. Obviously, the Dome shows, um, uh, Shinjuku Face, you name it. Uh, I, and I was there. But this one's a little bit different, and I kind of knew it was going to be, and I and I wanted it to be. Um, this is my 20th wedding anniversary, um, and. And I'm, 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 and not to get sentimental and all that. I wanted, I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to share 
the greatness and the joy of these days with my wife. Like that, I, 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 I'm, I can't wait to, to be at places that, I, that are some of the best times I've ever had and to share that. Um, so that's my path to glory. Um, we're going to do different things, and we're, I'm going to see Tokyo maybe in places where I, I've never been because I've been dedicated to the, to the pro wrestling. Um, and I'm going to enjoy that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to savor that week. Um, I, we're, do, we're doing both Dome shows and um, Dash. Um, she's actually doing uh, just the fifth and Dash. Uh, obviously, I'm doing all of them. Um, but it's just stuff like that that I'm looking so forward to. Um, and just to, to be with everybody and to laugh and to drink um, with her. Um, that's what I'm really looking forward to. I'm sure she's absolutely going to love it. Mali is a huge fan of Tokyo, so she'll be coming with me. She's, gosh, she's about seven, well, what, about 30 weeks pregnant now, so it might be a bit of a struggle getting around for her, but I'm very excited. I'm going to be meeting up with some friends. Uh, pulling back the curtain a bit, when I used to work in London, uh, this was around 2010, I was teaching English as a foreign language, and I was teaching adults in a language school, and that's actually where I met Mali, my wife. So uh, in the class with her, there was a, another girl from Thailand called Nam and there was a, a Japanese girl called Saki. And the four of us have stayed friends from all that time ago. So uh, we've been mates ever since. So uh, we'll be meeting up with them in Tokyo because obviously Saki lives there and we'll be doing a few trips. We're going to be spending New Year's there. Apparently, uh, it's traditional to go and pray to shrines on the first and eat soba noodles to see in the new year. We'll be going to Kawaguchiko, where, which is a beautiful lake where you can see Mount Fuji. We'll be visiting a place called Kawagoye, which I think is just like a little market town. Apparently very famous for sweet potato stuff. And then on the 4th and the 5th, the ladies will be off shopping and I'll be watching the wrestling with you, Damon. So I can't wait. There's going to be a little bit of everything in this trip. I, I'm not the kind of person who could do one of those trips where you're just seeing absolute back-to-back -back wrestling, 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 wrestling. Um, I mean, even doing, what is it going to be, in three days, maybe, what, that 13 hours of wrestling? That's kind of daunting, right. but I'm sure we're going to have a good time anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, uh, all, you know, everybody that we know is over there uh, or en route there or will be there shortly. And, um, yeah, they do it. They do it. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it, it is a little bit exhausting uh, hitting all those shows. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, if you're a pro wrestling fan and, and it's like your first time, I wholeheartedly recommend it. Do it, you know, do it all. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I, I always say, well, you never know when you're going to be back again. But trust me, if you're going for the first time, uh, you'll be back, right? You, you'll, you'll be back and um, you'll do everything. You, the minute you get off that airplane home, you're going to be thinking, all right, how the fuck can I save up some cash to get back there again next year? So... Uh, keep that in mind. It's a bug. And once you get that little bug, it stays with you for life. And that's a good thing. As you so famously said, David, life before Tokyo and life after Tokyo. Uh, but one thing probably we're not going to be having, David, we're not going to be getting lost around the Tokyo Dome thanks to that amazing video with Chris Charlton and Will Ospreay <laughs> showing us around the Tokyo Dome city. Uh, what did you think of that? That was a lot of fun. It was fun. Uh, it wasn't maybe the most... Uh, it was a little awkward. Ah, look, 
Uh, it wasn't very He was mad. so excited, Will Ospreay. I couldn't help but find that infectious. He was just absolutely buzzing. Just, yeah. just leaping up and down like an excitable little child. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Here's the thing, and and here's what I I absolutely appreciate, the fact that they did and they continue to do bits like that and little little helpful things because they know that, you know, there there are plenty of people that come there for the first time and, and, you know, they're deer in headlights and they're, you know, it can be overwhelming. So all those little videos and all those little tips, I would say keep them coming um, if possible because they're helpful. Um, I, I th- again, especially for people coming for the first time, um, it's you know those those are the type of things that help make people feel a little bit more comfortable, and and people may, maybe that are on the fence, it, it does help them see these videos. Be like, okay, I, I could do that. I can get there from there. Okay, all right, that's what it. Okay, great. You know, yeah, it helps you visualize them. it. You see what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's something to be said about that. So, um, I I think. New Japan and whoever's idea that was, whether that was Chris or whether that was someone else in New Japan that said, hey, maybe we should do something like this. Great job. Do more. All right. A couple of news items before we get on to Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, There are currently no plans for TV broadcast of New Japan Pro Wrestling events in 2020, Wrestle Kingdom 14 included in the U.S., after we learned that Access TV have cut one of their uh, highest rated shows, basically. They've cut New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is not a surprise given their uh, affiliation with Anthem and Impact Wrestling. So this is something that uh, Kevin Kelly does talk about later in our interview. But uh, Pleba asks us, do you think New Japan on TV is that important to the Western expansion? Or should they focus on promoting NJPW World? I, uh, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's both, for lack of a better answer. I think you do need some TV presence. I do. I think it's important. But I also think it, it matters what channel you're on and what station you're on. I, I, look, and, and this was brought up in that Kevin Kelly interview, where, look, I, I'm very skeptical about how Access TV has helped grow New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, I, Access TV is not like it's ESPN, and it's not like it's... CNN, and it's not like it's. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to think of like your bigger cable networks. It's that that's not access. Access is, you know, 2010 Glastonbury highlights, and <laughs> and and uh, 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 you know, Jules Holland reruns, and uh, Daryl's house, and then New Japan Pro Wrestling was you know Friday night or Saturday night or or whatever it was. I find it very difficult to believe that access was that important. Now, again, if you're telling me that New Japan Pro Wrestling lost its spot off of ESPN, uh, ESPN2, Fox, uh, what have you, yeah, I think that would be a little bit more hurtful. I don't think the access thing is that big of a deal. Now, you went from something to nothing. That's not good. I think they need something. I don't think New Japan World is 100% everything that they need. Um, I think it's helpful, and I think it's, it can be improved and made easier to watch and, and available on every app possible, absolutely. Uh, but I, think, I still think you need that. I just want to push one button. That's my TV, and, and I can find New Japan Pro Wrestling. 
Yeah, so you, you do wonder if there's going to be they're going to be aiming to get some more deals in the future. Um, I know from what we understand, there's nothing in the pipeline yet, but uh, maybe something to keep an eye on uh, in the coming year. The other news story here is from uh, Fightful. Uh, there's a report that. In the latest Bushiroad financial report, Harold May's salary was listed at $851,000 per year for his work as New Japan Pro Wrestling president. The report also has May making $212,000 per year for his work on the Bushiroad board of directors. So in total, May makes $1,063,000 per year. The financial report covered the months of August to October. And Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer reports that some talent was surprised at how much May makes as he's making more than some main event talent. Although it wasn't specified how much main event talent is making. So is this is this at all notable, Damon? Is this a story? Um, It's, you know, I mean, I think all that information is, is publicly available. If any one of the pro wrestlers that were surprised by that, they I'm sure they can look at the financials. That's where... That's where People found that information. It wasn't like they went rubbaging through Harold's pay stubs. Um, I mean, he's an executive of a major pro wrestling company. It doesn't shock me that much. Um, now, again, if he's making more than, you know, I don't know, Okada. Okay, yeah, that, that might shock me. Uh, but... No, I mean, name name me a sports organization, name me any franchise where the owner is making less than the players. If you can do that for me, I'd appreciate that very much. I don't think there is one. Right? That's the benefit of being an owner. Well, again, he's not an owner. He's a president or whatever the title is, the, the head honcho of that division. Um, I mean, again, I don't, I don't, I don't really have... I don't have. Do you have a problem with it? I don't have a problem with it. It that I don't have a problem with it. Do you? No, it seems pretty standard for top executives of a big company like that. And it's a tough job, Damon, doing that. You know, you're getting people throwing bottles at you in Osaka Joe Hall. It's it's hard. <laughs> right, you know, he has to listen to our dumb jokes all the time, right? Well, as he's listening every week at his desk, like, oh, these guys again. Oh shit. He's, I'm probably not doing that. But anywho, um, look, it, it, here's the thing. And I, I will say this to the day I die. If you can get it, great, right? If you if you can get it and somebody agrees to it and there's a handshake or a contract signed, go for it. Uh, I got no problem. And again, he's he's running the ship here with New Japan, you know, in, in, in the best spot it's been in 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 quite a long time so no again uh i don't don't necessarily have a problem with this i don't think this is a big story at all so moving on to wrestle kingdom then and several of our insider sources have given us projected ticket sales for the two nights and we're looking this is including projected walk-ups we are looking at around forty thousand for night one and thirty thousand for night two so david does that surprise you and do you think this is a success for new japan well, it's set up for 40 from what I understand. So, um, again, we're not looking at a 60,000-seat availability. About 40. So that outfield is going to be closed off again. But if last year was any indication, I thought the visual of it was amazing. Right There, are, there were a few times where I just kind of turned my head and looked, and whew, I'm like, they got a lot of people in this building. Um 
Night two, a little bit surprising, but again, we were kind of clued in a little bit about, you know, people people really respect that January 4th date. They re- that that's that's special to them. So not only are you going to be getting your New Japan regulars that would buy a ticket to both, but you're also getting the casuals, right? Uh, and that's fine. Uh, and then night two, if I'm not mistaken, the next day is a work day or something like that. And um, again, not making excuses, mind you, because I truly believe that if if it's interesting and people want to see something, they'll they'll find ways to get there. But uh, you might lose some of that casual audience that you would have had at night one. Now, I will say this. Night one is going to definitely dictate the pace of walk-ups for night two. Because if if you're leaving the Tokyo Dome night one, and there's a buzz, and there's a, there is a question mark, an interesting question mark, that might have people saying, you know what, we we got to get tickets to this. We got to we got we got to see how this ends. We got to be here tomorrow. We got to find a way. And that impacts walk up. That we might be we, we might be talking about a different story. So, I don't think these are bad numbers. Um, night two is right around where, quite honestly, where we were last year for for gate. Right, I mean, a couple thousand short. Um. And night one looks like it's going to be better than where we were, where we were sitting last year. We got two nights. I mean, we we I mean, rent aside for the building and how much it cost and all that, right? We got. I mean, how is two nights with those numbers a bad thing? What were we expecting? Ninety three thousand one hundred and seventy three for both nights. That's the WrestleMania three number. That's not really the number. Um, I got it. Uh, shh, keep it between us. Um, but yeah, that's. I, I think it's. A, I think the numbers are 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 in line with. Again, I think night two is a little bit lower than I thought. But you know, digging deeper, I think we're right in line with where we thought we would be. Yeah. So Wrestle Kingdom thirteen was thirty eight thousand one hundred and sixty two paid. So it's looking like night one is going to be at that level, if not higher. And like you said, it, it does seem like the January 4th Tokyo Dome show brand is the strong draw for the, the, the casual fans. And I said on Twitter, I just, at this point, I feel that the brand equity of New Japan Pro Wrestling and that January 4th Wrestle Kingdom at the Dome is, at this point in time, is going to hit close to 40,000 sellout for that setup, whatever the card is. Yeah. And the, that, that 10,000 fans who are going to go to the show on the 4th, but not the show on the 5th, like you said, they're the casual fans who they don't want to spend 10 hours watching wrestling in one weekend. And it doesn't matter. They, they could put on you know the best lineup in the world for night two, but they've had enough. They've said, no, five hours of wrestling is enough for me. And uh, I think WH Park said on post-wrestling, a lot of people are going to go back to work on Monday. So it's particularly if they're coming from out of town or they're more casual fans, they're going to go to the show where you can have a lie-in the next day. So I don't necessarily think that a stronger card pushes January 5th that much closer to a sellout. So as far as I'm concerned, I think this is pretty much optimum at the moment for New Japan. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be close to that. Uh, but again, I think that if if night one puts a little bit of doubt of, and, and a little bit of buzz for people to, to, to buy a ticket to, to another night, um, I mean that's that's really going to be the deciding factor. But I think the people who decided they're going to go are kind of 
they're kind of already deciding they're going to go and what nights they're going. So this is what we're going to look at, and I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Yeah, like if I go to, I don't know, a Christmas ballet or something, and I have a great time, wow, this Swan Lake was amazing or whatever, and then they say, oh, come again tomorrow to watch another ballet to see how it ends, then... If I'm not a, a you know hardcore fan of the ballet, I might just say no. I've seen one show. That's enough for me. So uh, that's where I stand at the moment. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if the, it does any boosted numbers depending on what the outcome of the double gold dash semi-finals are. Uh, Joe Gagney asked, "Should New Japan just move the Dome show from the fourth to the first Saturday in January every year? And if they did, should they hold two Wrestle Kingdom shows every year going forward?" Uh, now it's an interesting question, but. Last year, it wasn't on a Saturday, and like I said, it did very healthy numbers, so uh, I'm not sure about that one. What do you reckon? No, I mean, I think the proof's in the pudding with the two domes here. I think the fourth is significant. I think the fourth means something to people. Um, so it, 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 logic might say, hey, just move it to the weekend, and you know, more people have availability and all that stuff, but um, I, again, I just think that fourth is a significant date and I, and and these numbers kind of speak to that. Um, yeah, I I I think we keep it at the fourth. I don't think they do double domes. Um, I think this is a one and done when it comes to that. Um, I could be dead wrong, but every indicator that that we've been given has been yeah we're doing single domes. Um, now I will say this, and Joe, you can hop in on this. There has been a mention, and and keep listening because you know we'll, we'll <laughs> you know uh, you, might, you might find a, a little nugget in there, but you know they they could go doesn't necessarily have to be the Tokyo Dome, right? To run a big building, and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, January fourth that they run their you know only big building. Um, you know, they, uh, Osaka, Fukuoka. Um, there are domes all over that country. Doesn't necessarily mean that that Tokyo Dome is the only dome that they might have interest in in running in 2020. Yeah, I remember that was uh, something that I think Naito was talking about in an interview about a year ago, talking about how he wanted to do more domes. And how many domes are there in Japan? I think there's about maybe six of them. I could be wrong about that, but uh, I think Naito mentioned something about in the future he would love to be doing all six domes in a year. And I think New Japan are somewhere away from that, but uh, certainly looking at venues like Osaka Joe Hall, which is what, about 12,000? For those big shows like your Dominions and even in uh, New Beginning now, which is an Osaka Joe Hall, New Japan might be starting to outgrow those kinds of venues. I mean, if they if they hustled, and they they really did a good job of promoting, and they had a sexy card, um, and you know it's in a town where they know they can draw fans. And that might, that might be a possibility, especially when you're talking about this being being an Olympic year and Tokyo really being, you know, tied up um, when it comes to getting buildings and for for a decent amount. So, and again, not only do you have uh, your 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 summer games you also have the paralympic games too right um and i believe that is right after it might be either before or after not 100 percent sure but it, you know that's going to you're, you're booking buildings once again 
Um, so it might be a little bit difficult to, to, to book buildings for events. So all things to keep in mind and keep in the back of your mind when you're looking at 2020. Now, again, I know at the Dome, they usually do their lineup of you know big shows of the year. Um, that might be something we keep a watchful eye on um, if, they, if, they, uh, if they stick their necks out a little bit and uh, look, at, look at bigger buildings in the country. Uh, we have a question from Andrew. He says, honestly, do you guys think the projected attendance for both shows would be more or less the same even without the double gold dash? The fact that the fifth is slightly behind the fourth surely shows that people are not as excited about a double champion as New Japan thought. Uh, I think the fifth is a stronger card. And the fact that the sales are lagging behind, again, speaks to what we mentioned earlier about the strength of the January 4th brand. But from what I understand, the ticket sales have picked up since they announced the cards uh, you know, a good 5,000 or so. So I think the having a you know sexy lineup has helped, but that January 4th thing is the real seller, the real thing that's going to give, you know, that difference of 10,000 fans. So uh, I think the double gold dash has helped, but I don't think it's that significant. Yeah, I, I, I don't think... I, I don't... I get a feeling... That, and I'm, I don't know if I'm in this camp. I know I'm not in this camp of people not liking the build and not liking the idea of the double gold. I mean, you're more Twitter savvy, online savvy, and you get a feel for what people are talking about. Do you feel that? Do you feel that people are, are down on this double gold dash doohickey? No, I feel on the whole people are positive about it. But I also keep in mind that this Twitter bubble is not representative of the New Japan fandom at large. It, this is a small percentage of the Western audience for New Japan. We don't really know too much about what the Japanese fans are thinking and all of those fans who are not as online. So... Again, this is a bubble within a bubble, that Twitter bubble within the Western bubble of New Japan fandom. So I don't know how much you can read into that. But on the whole, I feel people were positive and are excited about the double gold dash. Yeah, me too. Okay, good. I mean, then then my feelings were off. Good. That's And I, and I, and I don't think that that's been a negative impact on Two Nights at the Dome. I, I really don't. I think, well, again, we talked about it at length, but... Um, I think the numbers are kind of right, right around where we thought we, we would be. I think if night one does significant buzz, I think night two will pick up even further. And I think night two has, is a sexy show. I really do. That's a, that, to me, that's a sexy show. I can't, I'm going down that lineup, and I'm like, this, is, this, this will be a great show. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, and, and night one is too. Night one is too. I, I think both of them, I think they did a really good job uh, for, for both of them. Well, let's get into the match cards themselves. So we're going to start off on January 4th with opening match, 15-minute time limit, a stardom exhibition match. We've got Arisa Hoshiki and Mayu Iwatani versus Julia and Hana Kimura. So first of all, David, let's take that victory lap because uh, not everybody even agreed with us when we put the idea out there that you know we had our ears to the ground that there was extremely likely to be a stardom exhibition match some people some podcasts <laughs> Pacific River, were quite down on that idea and they didn't think it was going to happen but it has happened 
I was following that on Twitter on Christmas Eve, this stardom show. I was like, please, come on, announce it. It's got to happen, surely. Our credibility is at stake here. But they came through in the end. Yeah, it did. It did, didn't it? Uh, we, were, we were told a while ago uh, that this, this was happening. Um, and obviously, we were first, let that be known, first to talk about this. Uh, and uh, again, we, we did worry a little bit, and we did send out plenty of texts of, are you sure this is still going to happen? <laughs> right? We, we, we kind of said um, that it was. Uh, so, yeah, we were, we were rest assured and all that stuff. Um, it felt good, didn't it? It felt good Christmas Eve. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, when I saw that, and I saw that little screenshot that you sent along to me of that screen in Corrigan, and I was just like, fuck, yes. Eat it. Eat it, doubters. <laughs> Eat it. Uh, it Let me ask you a question. Were we, because I've, I've met Fumi. Um, I, we, I actually had dinner with him twice uh, in Tokyo. Um, and it was always after dome shows. Did he mention us at all when, when talking about the Do You Know? I don't think... I, I haven't listened to it. I'm only hearing what other people have told me. I don't think he mentioned us or the podcast by name, but he was asked, there are some rumours about a start of match at Wrestle Kingdom. Do you think that's going to happen? And he said no. That's my understanding of it. could be totally wrong, but this is just what I've been told. Okay. I, like I said, I don't, I don't even think he knows that I do this. I think he know I, when we when we talked we I, we might have mentioned it. Um but I I I I I'm really trying to recollect like if he even knows that that we do this. But you know, I think he knows. Like if you said, do you know Damon? I think he would remember because it was dinner. It wasn't just me and him at the dinner. Let's put it that way. It was me and a couple other people, like four people. Um, but I think he would remember me uh, if somebody said Damon, and he would be, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know Damon." Um, I right, listen. Uh, people it, like they got it wrong, and that's okay. Um, but but I don't understand why. Here's what I don't understand: like if we put out something like that, like why why would we stick our neck out if we weren't sure of it? Because we know people just love to lay the boots. And people just love to point out how wrong you are and how much of an expert they are. And of course that couldn't happen. Blah, blah, blah. No, what are you talking about, Damon and Joel? You're stupid. Blah, blah, blah. Right? They just love doing it. And that's just my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know what I mean? Like, Like, why would we say it if we did it? Really feel confident that it was that it was true. Boggles my mind. Boggles my fucking mind. But there you go. But then, then you know, we should, we got to, all right, enough of our circle jerk. We're sitting here, you know, <laughs> we're, we can do this for hours, right? We're feeling good about ourselves today. So we don't know too much about stardom, obviously, but we have a ton of incredibly knowledgeable people who know loads about the scene on our Discord server. So if you want to get up to date on that stuff, then do join our Discord. And 
I've got some cheat sheets from our Discord user Niagara Driver, and I, I will just check if if they're okay with me sharing this on Twitter. But they've written an eight-page document with stardom notes, so wow. you can understand and appreciate this match a bit better. So I'm not going to read the whole thing because I would like people to take their time to go and check it out themselves. But I will just read the information about the four people in this match. So Mayu Iwatani is the stardom icon, made her debut on Stardom's first show in 2011, and is the only wrestler who's remained with the company through its entire run. She just won Stardom's top belt in November. It was a very popular win, and now she's the face of the company leading into its new era. She's essentially Stardom's Hiroshi Tanahashi. She has a very inspiring backstory. When she was a teenager, she dropped out of school and became a socially withdrawn shut-in, barely ever leaving her room for over a year. Somehow, her brother dragged her to a Dragon Gate show and inspired her to want to become a wrestler. Near that time, she saw an ad for Stardom looking for new dojo trainees before it launched. She answered the ad, packed what little clothes and belongings she had, and hopped on a one-way train to Tokyo without telling her parents. In the dojo, everyone assumed she would be the first one to quit. And uh, there's a, a blog post that it's linked to. Character similar to Kota Ibushi, a lovable airheaded dork. That, those are the words of Niagara Driver, not me. And uh, they joke that Mayu probably takes neck bumps getting out of bed in the morning and manages to get lost trying to leave her house. But in ring, she's one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. Her style is a little bit of everything. Strikes, high-flying suplexes, she can do it all. Known for being one of the best bumpers in the business. Pops right back up after scary-looking bumps and always makes her opponents look like a million bucks. And her teammate is Arisa Hoshiki, who's one of Stardom's original wrestlers when it started in 2011. She retired in 2012, but made her return in late 2018 after six and a half years away. A former competitive kickboxer and utilizes that in her offense, one of the best strikers in the business. In just her first year back, showing amazing skill and development, putting on great matches and just scratching the surface of what she's capable of. One stardom's white belt and has a ton of high-level matches in her defences and looks like someone tapped to be a major star in the Bushiroad era. And on the opposing side, we've got Hana Kimura, who's a second-generation wrestler, daughter of Kyoko Kimura, who was one of the biggest stars on the scene in the late 2000s and early 2010s. She leads the Tokyo Cyber Squad faction, which is similar to Stardom's LIJ. And she's extremely charismatic, one of the best promos and personalities in Stardom. Character is a mix between Hiromu at his quirky level best and Naito being a complete dickhead. Uh, currently appearing on the popular TV show Terrace House. Could be the face of the company in the coming years, has a lot of mainstream appeal and is especially popular with women, which is an audience Bushiroad wants to grow. And her teammate will be Julia, who is half Italian, half Japanese, born in London, but moved to Japan with her family at an early age. Had only been wrestling in Stardom for less than a month. Her departure from her previous company, Ice Ruin, created quite a lot of controversy. Stardom seems to be leaning into this controversy and positioning her as a conceited heel. Seems to be a favourite of the new Bushiroad owners and will probably be one of the company's biggest stars in years ahead. Like Hannah, she seems to have a lot of appeal among new and casual fans, especially women. Has had a big feud going with Hannah Kimura since she joined the company. The two just had a wild brawl around Kraken Hall that resulted in a time limit draw. They showed begrudging respect for each other after the match, so expect to see the Julia Hannah team have quote-unquote reluctant partners dynamic. So that is the inside track wow. on this tag match, Damon. What a great job from Niagara Driver. So you should definitely Ooh. follow them on Twitter. Niagara fucking Driver. That great job. I mean, seriously, that is, I, I learned a lot. I, I learned a lot. Great, outstanding. We have some of the best listeners. Smart, intelligent, well-written. That's great stuff. That That is truly helpful and you know, unfortunately, it's not going to be televised. But listen, if you're if you're hopping in the Tokyo Dome, and maybe you got your earbuds in and listening to this, that's that's got to be helpful. And 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 eight pages, you said, Joel. 
Yeah, that's right. And there's a load of extra information about stardom as a whole, which I, I didn't read out because I want people to go and check it out themselves. So yep. uh, I, would, I would check in with them. If they're okay with me sharing it on Twitter, then I will do so. Fantastic job. Outstanding. And, 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 and again, I learned a lot. Outstanding. Great job. Yeah, so just quickly touching base on the fact that uh, it's not being televised. There's a really good article by Walter Yeats on Twitter, at Smooth Wrestling, who goes into the information. But uh, the gist of it seems to be that it's uh, due to political uh, rivalries between the two stations on uh, in Japan. So uh, TV Asahi runs uh, New Japan Worlds, so their affiliate with New Japan, but Stardom runs on rival networks, Tokyo MX and NTV. So for that reason, it's not going to be televised. So uh, I don't think any amount of complaining is going to be able to fix that. That's that's just the lay of the land in the Japanese TV scene. Right. I mean, look, they they have an audience of, you know, close to 40,000 each night. That that's I think that's a positive, right? It, 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 I think look, I get I get the reasoning why people might be upset with that. Right? I, I I understand that. I can I can see that. Um but yeah, that's unfortunately it's it's really not even the companies at this point. It's it's uh television suits and, ex- and executives. So channel your rage at the right place. Um and yeah, hopefully in two thousand and twenty that might change. Uh, opening match two, 50-minute time limit. We have Yuya Uemura, Yotosuji, Tomoaki Honma, Togi Makabe versus Alex Coglin, Clark Connors, Carl Fredericks, and Toei Hinari. So first of all, it's great to see this really talented crop of young lines get a big Wrestle Kingdom moment, even if it is just an eight-man tag match. So, Damien, your thoughts on the match, and who do you think will be picking up the pinfall here? Because presumably we're looking at either Honma, Makabe, or Hinari to be getting the pin here. I would love it to be Hinari. I think that would be good to sort of signify that that he is in line for a bit of a push in 2020. But um, my head is sort of leaning towards Maccabee here as the, you know, the more seasoned professional of these eight wrestlers and someone who's a pretty big star in Japan. Yeah, that, that, honestly, that was my pick. Um, he, might, he might take his two bumps <laughs> um, in, 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 in celebration of picking up the win. Uh, and one of those bumps might be a King Kong knee drop. Uh, yeah, I would like to see a Hanari. I would love to see a young lion. I, I don't think that's a possibility. Um, I, I, I think if I had money on this, Makabe might be the guy. The face recognition, the TV celebrity status, the sweet tooth, all that. People know it. So I think you, go with, I th- I think you can go with the easy one there and give it to, to Makabe. And opening match three is a tag match with Satoshi Kojima and Hiroyoshi Tenzan versus Manabu Nakanishi and Yuji Nagata. Wow. So I guess this is just a little hat tip and nod to the New Japan dads, giving them a bit of time in the spotlight. Hard to pick a winner here. I, I would probably lean towards uh, Tenkozi getting the win just because they are a legitimate tag team who've been tagging together for a very long time, whereas Nakanishi and Nagata are not. I'll give yeah. I mean, I mean that's a that's a good reason as any really. Um, I think that the true test is give me a time. I'm going to set the over under five minutes. Do they go? Do they get over five minutes or under five minutes? Uh, I probably. I I would say around that 
Mark, mm. sorry to sit on the fence, but I think it will be about five minutes long. You say push. You're going with a push. Okay. I'm going to go slight over. I think it goes six to seven minutes. How about that? Um, I'll get, I'll I mean, bear in mind that last year, the junior tag title match, that 3 with Rapongi 3K, Kanemaru Desperado, and Shingo Ibushi got about six and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. So I think it just gets right over that five limit. Uh, I'm going to be confident and say it goes over five, just by an ass hair. But give him over five, and I'll go with Tenzan and uh, Kojima. So our first match on the main show, 60-minute time limit. Hopefully they don't need that long. The Jushin Thunder Liger retirement match one. We got Tiger Mask, The Great Sasuke, Tatsumi Fujinami, and Jushin Thunder Liger with El Samurai against the team of Ryusuke Taguchi, Tatsuhito Takaiwa, Shinjiro Otani, and Naoki Sano with Kuniaki Kobayashi with a special referee, Norio Honaga. So, David, there's a lot of names in there that newer fans, including myself, might not be familiar with, uh, familiar with the significance of. So could you talk to us a little bit about this match and what we can expect from it? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it, it, they gave it an hour because 45 minutes of that are going to be people getting to the ring. <laughs> that's a terrible, that's terrible. That's ageism right there. Um <sighs> Well, I mean, Sasuke, I think that's a name people recognize, right? Um, from your your Super J Cups back in the day. Um, Michinoku Pro. Um, Hanaga, Hanaga, Hanaga. Um, he was a big feud with Liger, and I hated him. Because I, like, growing up, you know, obviously you're a Liger guy, and, you, and to me, I couldn't put my finger on why they would give him the IWGP junior title, right? He was a heel. He was a bit of a brawler. Um, I hated him. <laughs> I really fucking hated him. Tatsumi Fujinami is a legend. Um, it's one of I, uh, Liger's idols growing up. Um, and Tatsumi Fujinami was his junior. Um, he did a he did like a small tour of the WWF back in like late 70s, early 80s. Um, he would do like spot shows at Madison Square Garden. I think he was at a Spectrum show before. Um, I remember like one of the first pro wrestling shows I ever went to. He was on the program, and I was kind of fascinated by him. Um, and where else did I see? Did I see him on WWF TV before? Maybe I want to say yes. But um, yeah, he would do he would do shows, you know, with Anoki and and when he would do Madison Square Garden shows. Uh, and of course, you know, the biggest feud in New Japan at that time in the early 80s was Choshu and, and Fujinami, um, where, you know, Choshu came back from Mexico and he was a little pissed, you know, at, at Fujinami's place where Fujinami was kind of being groomed as the number two guy. And, you know, there was that big angle at Cork and Hall with, with it was Anoki. Choshu and Tatsumi Fujinami uh, in a six-man tag against this team of Bad News Brown, Bad News Allen, uh, SD, Special Delivery Jones, and Abdullah the Butcher. I <laughs> just, one of those tag teams. Like, SD Jones was this heel. I always thought that was fucking hilarious. Um, it, you know, the, like, SD Jones being in one of the biggest angles in Japanese pro wrestling history. Um so look, it's 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 Jushin Thunder Liger's life. It's like it's like it's it's a this is your life, Jushin Thunder Liger match. Um, 
a lot of these guys are old and 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 you know, look, you know, it's not going to be a five star match, that's for sure. But you're going there for the history and having all these people in the same ring at the same time. Um, and it's again, it's it's a this is your life, Jushin Thunder Liger match. Who do you think makes their entrance first? Do you think we get you know the big Wrestle Kingdom video package and fireworks, or whatever, and if it was up to you, would it be Liger's music hitting first and coming out? No, Liger last. I want Liger. I want everybody to get in the ring, be in the ring, and I want that music to hit and him to come out and him to him to do his thing. Here's what I'm hoping in this match. <laughs> I, I again, I don't ha- I don't have expectations of this being a great match. I have expectations of people getting in, getting out quickly, not getting hurt, all that stuff, and just having the nostalgia go and Liger doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Here's, here's what I would love to say. Are you familiar with the Cerulean, Cerulean Blue uh, outfit that Liger had at the Tokyo Dome? I believe the match was against Ultimo Dragon. Um, it's like a purplish blue and white. I swear to you, Joel, I thought that was the best-looking pro wrestling outfit, gear, whatever you want to call it. It's just uh, unbelievable. I hope that I hope that night we see that. And then I hope night two we just get classic Jushin Liger uh, outfit for the last time, the red uh, and white. And, and I know that's a silly want, but I would love to see that bluish purple just one more fucking time because I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Um, and then the last night be red, white, classic, and away we go. Do you think it's too much to ask to want Liger to get the winning pinfall in this match? I think in this match he could. I think in this match he should because um, he's not getting it night, night two. I, I, I honestly think he takes the fall in night two. I really do because um, that's Jushin Liger and that's just what he is, right? Yeah, that's what he does. Um, but I think if he's going to get a win, I think, I think night one is, is the night he gets it. Like, like seriously, who else is going to get the fucking win, you know? <laughs> it just there, there's no reason for anyone else to get the pinfall win besides Liger. Uh, there's no no reason. Um, so yeah, no no no. Don't no, 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 Taguchi do one of his hip attacks and that, something wacky and the big ha has No, no. I mean, I mean, I think you'll see some ha has. I think you'll see a little bit of ha ha. But uh, there's uh, if if I tell you what, if Taguchi gets the pin, I'm gonna I'm gonna set that building on fire. <laughs> Liger's getting that fucking win night one. Do you think is he could pin Sano, his partner, for night two? It's a possibility, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, who? Give me, give me the opponents again. I'm sorry. It's uh, Taguchi. So the opposing team is Taguchi, Tatsuhita, Takaiwa, Shinjiro Otani, and Naki Sano. I don't think Otani would do would would fall. That was a that that was a great feud back in the day. Shinjiro Otani was a fucking prick. Oh, so good. I don't think, yeah. I don't know. Do you think they would do have Sano do it next night? They might add an interesting wrinkle to the match on night two, given yeah. that the, the fact that their team in the story is that the they are these massive generational rivals. Can we do? Can we do some fantasy booking? Liger pins Sano. Sano's pissed off. Sano, Naoki Sano, next night is is a disgruntled tag partner with Liger getting all the shine. Uh, tries to fuck over Liger, it, and it's 
the former Dragon Lee and it's uh, Hiromo kind of squaring up with Liger, you know, kind of teaming up again to sword off Sano and they all stand in the ring and cheer. There's my fantasy booking for the day. I think you might be overthinking it slightly, but I would love it if that were the case. I think that would be a nice moment. Uh, let's move on to the second match then, which is a special eight-man tag match. We've got an LIJ team of Bushi, Shingo Takagi, Evil and Sonata versus a Suzuki-Gun team of El Desperado, Taichi, Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. So a lot of people are speculating that there is going to be some sort of angle in this match. And it would be great if there were, and it would make sense if they were. People speculating something like maybe Suzuki-Gun turns on Suzuki or maybe even Shingo turns on LIJ, something like that. But I don't want to go into this match with the expectation that that's going to happen and then it doesn't happen and I'm disappointed at the end of it. So I want to just take this at face value and think, okay, here's an eight-man tag with eight really good, talented wrestlers. Uh, you know, give them, I don't know, best part of 10 minutes. Let them go out there and have fun because these eight-man tag matches, if it's on like a, a Karakawood Road 2 show, they're usually really good. So I've got no reason to think that they won't be good here, even if it's not necessarily what a lot of people wanted. Right, and I think it's a great way to go into it too, actually. Um, and probably the smartest thing. Right, there is the possibility of either, you know, as you described, LIJ having somebody leave that faction in turn and, and set up a nice little storyline in 2020. And Actually, first- sorry, I mean, let me correct myself. Having said that, on night two, Shingo and Bushi and Evil are going to be tagging together for that never openweight match. So that right. probably won't be happening. Yeah. Um, and then Suzuki really doesn't have that... In night two, right? So the possibility. No, so the Suzuki Gun team for the Gauntlet match on night two is Kanemaru, Desperado, and Taichi. Interesting. Okay. So I guess if it is going to happen, it's going to be a Suzuki Gun kind of thing, right? Yes. Gone to my heads. If there's going to be a coup, that will be most likely. I mean, it could be that Sonata says, right, lads, I'm off. Bye. I'm leaving LIJ on that side. But I think if there is going to be an angle, then. Uh, Suzuki getting ousted as the leader of his faction would be the more likely option because he's got nothing for night two. Right. And it does kind of fall in line with the chitter chatter that we've heard. So, um, yeah. But I think, like like you said, if you go into it not kind of fantasy booking yourself into a corner and being disappointed, I think that's going to be the best way to go. The, these matches are almost always at least very good when they're main eventing at Corican, we've seen them a thousand times, though. Um, you know, LIJ multi man tags, Suzuki Goon multi man tags, um, maybe not together. <sighs> Who wins this match? Oh, Christ. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say Suzuki Goon turns, so they can't possibly win. I'll go with LIJ with the win. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, maybe Shingo pins Suzuki maybe you set something up for the future because that was something that they were definitely building towards uh in the world tag league tour but they sort of quietly dropped that so I don't know if the plans changed or if that was something that they wanted to sort of drop off and heat up again for new beginning but yeah my pick would be Shingo pinning Suzuki Uh, no I don't think anybody would have a problem with that right (laughs) and setting up a program uh, in 2020 I don't think anybody would have a problem with that Third match then is another special eight-man tag match. We've got Chaos Team, Yoshihashi, Toriyano, Tomohiro Ishii, Hiroki Goto versus Bullet Club Team, Chase Owens, Yujiro Takahashi, Bad Luck Farley, and Kenta. 
not expecting any angles from this. I, I've got nothing to say about this match, David. I'm sure it will be fine, uh, but there's not really a lot to get excited about, is there? No, I mean, the only thing that you're hoping for is that maybe somebody comes out of the pack to get the win. That might be a little bit unexpected. Uh, I'm looking at you, Chase Owens. Uh, I don't think Goto. I don't think Kenta. I don't, you know, I don't think anybody who has a match night two gets involved in the finish. Um, you said Yoshihashi's on this uh, chaos team, right? That's correct. Yeah. How would you feel about a Chase Owens pinning Yoshihashi? I would not give less of a shit about that. <laughs> All right. I'm trying to get a little excited. I'm trying well, to find some, trying to well, find some what juice What are you here. trying to entice me with? Are you trying to entice me with the possibility of a Chase Owens Yoshihashi singles feud? Uh, listen, I mean, that's pretty hot stuff, right? That's hot stuff. It's not hot stuff. Uh, again, I think, I, look, I'm trying to project a Chase Owens program. I'm gonna chase, I want to Chase Owens program, a legitimate Chase Owens program in 2020. Um yeah, so I, I agree with you. I think out of all those eight people, he would be the most interesting guy to pick up the win here. So I, I guess both of us are going to be Chase Owens fans on January yep. 4th. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, but again, if he, again, even if he pins Yoshihashi, doesn't necessarily mean that we got a program, right? Um, you know, maybe not. Just a, just a little exclamation point for Chase on a big show to kind of set the stage maybe later on down the road. I don't know. Fourth match is the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match with the champions Gorillas of Destiny, Tangaloa and Tamatonga defending against the challengers, the World Tag League winners, David Finley and Juice Robinson. Uh, I know the heavyweight tag title matches have been slightly hit and miss, to put it mildly, in 2019. But I remain optimistic here, Damon, given that Finn Juice was so good during the World Tag League that if these guys get enough time, let's say they're given... 15 minutes, maybe even not even that much, you know, 12, 13 minutes. I think they could go out there and if they work hard, put on a really good, exciting match. That's right in G.O.D.'s wheelhouse too, right? That's, that's, that's really plenty of time for them. I don't, I don't want to see that go any longer than that um, because that's where I yeah. feel like things fall apart and, and then they, you know, they're on offense and it's just you know, grinds to a halt. Um, so a sprint is what we, like of, of any of these matches, a quick sprint, that's exactly what the doctor ordered for the, for this particular match. And I'm going to go so far as to say this, like it needs that, like, like, and I'll say, look, Geo, it would be nice if G.O.D. stepped up here, right? It would be really nice. And I'm not saying they can't, and I'm not just saying they haven't, I think they're hit and miss. They really it's it's hit and miss with them. So they got really talented team that's gonna be super excited. Uh make it a sprint. I I would say don't even go over ten. Uh keep it at ten and go balls to the wall, hit all the all the big spots under ten minutes, or right at ten minutes. I think that's the perfect spot for them. And this could be really good if it's kept there. If this goes fifteen minutes, with like controlled offense from, from God, that's where this match is going to struggle. If they had, if they had any smarts, ten minutes sprint. Yeah, I want to see the scary, intense, violent 
face painted Gorillas of Destiny that I saw when when I watched Wrestle Kingdom 11 and those guys came out they were terrifying I was like oh my god these guys are just they look like absolute monsters so that's what I want to see and I think the blueprint is if you remember Wrestle Kingdom 12 that fantastic match with Evil and Sonata versus Killer Elite squads and that one I thought was one of the best heavyweight tag title matches that I can remember and that one was 14 minutes and 14 seconds so yeah I think they maybe a shade under that would be the perfect spot and do you think am I completely wrong here Damon is there something to be said for the fact that all four of these guys are native English speakers that uh, well the fact they all speak the same language means they would be able to possibly lay out a better match than if there's a language barrier there or is that a completely ignorant take I don't know if it's an ignorant take I I but I think you know they you know they they have pro wrestling talk. Let's put it, let's call it that. Where you know, it, I don't think communication would be an issue if it were Evil and Sonata, or if it were you know Juice and or Finley, yeah. right? I think yeah, I think enough. they're I think they're pros. They know how to to get around that. And no, I I I don't think that would be that big of a factor. Um, any any language barriers or anything like that. All right, I take it back then. But yeah, uh, ceiling for this match, I think. A four-star... I would be really happy with a four-star match here. I would be thrilled with a four-star. Um, I, I Look, again, I, I really feel like if they do what we're kind of outlining here, I think it'd be, it could be over four. I, I mean, I'm not saying four and a halves, but I'm saying in between that somewhere, I think that's, a, that's, that's, that's absolutely doable. I think there's a lot of talent in that ring if they do it right and, and they play to their strengths. Yeah, I, I want to see like a really hot, violent start, like G.O.D. just goes straight after Juice, trying to take him out of the match. And then uh, I think there, there needs to be some sort of having David Finley as the baby face in peril, you know, go for his injured shoulder and then you sort of build it towards that big Juice hot tag where he gets back in and then finally you can have Finley take it home at the end. And that's what I'm going to predict. I'm going to go for the, the feel-good moment. I think David Finley gets the winning pinfall at the end of this match. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think there's going to be a title change. I think we have new tag champs at the end of the night. Um, it does, it, to me, that does kind of put, you know, double gold juice in peril, right? To me, that that would kind of be a little bit weird, right? Uh, having him be double champ, uh, holding double gold. I, I, I don't know about that because you've got yeah. your Western expansion. You've got all these shows coming up in the States. What better way to kick that off than by having this guy, Juice Robinson, as the big star of New Japan Pro Wrestling of America, double gold juice. He's the man. Okay. All right. But then, you know, who, like, I, I just think that you could have a tag team, a tag team and a U.S. champion, um, you know, taking up different spots on the show, right? Like, is he defending the tag belt? You know what I mean? Is he de- defending the tag belts? Is he defending the U.S.? I think they keep that separate. Well, you, you can have uh, the tag tag titles defended on one night and then the U.S. title defended on another night because it's not like they're running isolated shows, are they? Right. I don't think they do that. Do you think they do that? I think, yes. I'm going to stick my neck really? out here and say I do. I mean, I guess we're sort of tipping our hand right. and getting ahead of ourselves talking about Juice's exploits on January 5th, but... Yeah, I think they will. I, I gave you the out. <laughs> I gave I gave you the, the door. I opened the door for you, but the door is closed. You're going with it. All right, good. Um, that has me a little bit f- uh, worried for double gold. Um, but 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 I'm saying tag champions are crowned here at Wrestle Kingdom Night One. 
Fifth match is IWGP US Heavyweight Championship match, a Texas death match between Lance Archer, the champion, defending against the challenger John Moxley. So the Texas death match means that the match will end by submission or knockout, 10 count. I think I've got that right. Uh, yeah, no, di- no disqualifications, no pinfall, victory by 10 count KO or submission. Um, I am a little bit apprehensive about this match because if you remember casting your mind back to the G1, my concerns about John Moxley early in the tournament about him not being a guy who takes a lot of bumps and Lance Archer being a guy who is at his best with a guy who can fly around the ring for him and make him look like a beast I'm worried that the stylistic clash between two guys who don't really bump that much might be somewhat incompatible okay I definitely can see that I'm going to give you a different side I think you got two guys, both in a, in a match that has countless possibilities, countless uh, you know possibilities for that car crash moment. Um, I think they're going to be creative. I think they're going to be. Uh, I, I I I see them texting each other <laughs> right already with hey can we try this can we do this i already i already feel that in my bones that that's already happening um so some sort of like czw deathmatch style i look i think th- i think i'll go so far as to say this match might surprise a lot of people when it comes to the quality and the excitement level and the match itself I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. I'm not saying it's going to be the best match of the night by any stretch, but I think I think at when it's over, people are going to be looking at each other like, "Wow, that was fucking cool. <laughs> that was a, that was all right. That was all right." Because I look, you got two guys that are uber motivated to to put on a show here, and again, they have they have creative license to do whatever crazy shit they have in their mind. Uh, they're going to give it a shot. So. Uh, yeah, I, I actually have a pretty high expectation for this. I'm looking forward to it. And what about a winner? I'm struggling here because to me it's a real coin flip because I can see the upside of both Juice versus Lance on night two or Juice versus Mox on night two and any, well, I guess the, the only one that you could rule out from being US champion at the end of it is John Moxley just because of his contractual obligations. But it, it's hard to pick for this match at least. Yeah, um, to me... I, I feel like I feel like this is Lance's win. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. And again, I, I feel I, I've talked pro wrestling for this entire weekend, and I can't believe Mox is not on night two. Correct? Guns to my head, I would say yes. No Mox on night two. So I would be picking Lance Archer here for the win. I, I as well. So I think uh, come the fifth, we'll see Lance and Juice uh, in in that match. So I think uh, I, I do think Lance gets a gets not a pinfall, but he gets that ten count uh, over over Mox. Sixth match is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match with the champion Will Ospreay defending against the challenger Hiromu Takahashi, in which a lot of people have as their sort of dark horse match of the night show stealer candidates here. Well, you got Will, who is the Super JKS Wrestler of the Year, Junior of the Year, had the match of the Give year. Give us a retweet, Will. Come on. You won like five of our awards. 
I mean, he did. And, you know, we look at other places that may have awards and, and it's similar results, right? Going against Hiromo, the, the emotion will be high. And as we saw, it doesn't look like the man has any fear of, of letting it go and, and, and letting it all hang out. This absolutely has the potential to steal match of the night. Why wouldn't it, right? Why, why wouldn't it? Um, I think we see the title change. I think Karoma wins. Uh, this, this is right up there with, with the top matches that I'm super excited to see. Um, it, <laughs> this, look, if you're saying this is going to be the match of the night and predicting that it will be, who, how could I argue with that at this point? How could I argue with that with the talent that's in that ring? So title change, I'll go with. Match of the match of the evening. Why yeah, I mean, why not? It's it's going to be fucking incredible. They've had a few matches before. The two that stick out in my mind were last year at New Beginning and Dominion. Are you expecting a similar sort of stylistic, high flying, high risk car crash, hundred miles an hour thing or do you think it's going to be different given yeah. that Will is ostensibly going to be moving to heavyweight, we, we imagine, and Hiromu may be mixing things up a bit. He's, he's talked about having different moves up his sleeve. Oh, I think he has different moves up his sleeve, but they're going to be just as crazy as the shit that we've seen before. Uh, now, why, I mean, why would, why, why would Will change up a, a formula that helped him do what he did in 2019. Like there's I, mean, no- I do expect him to be sort of leaning more heelish in this match. I think he is going to play into that quite hard in, in the sort of dynamics. Yeah, I mean, listen, if anybody's going to be playing heel, it would be Will at this point. But even with that said, I just think it's going... I, I really think it's going to be more of they're going to do what they do and they're going to let the fans dictate that. And I think Hiromo is, is the emotional uh, pick right? People want to see him win. People are excited for his return. So yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be over the top heel. I mean, he's not going to turn into fucking, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the word, Roddy Piper circa 1986. El Fantasma. El Fantasma. Okay. Here's a good one. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there will be leanings and, and of course, why wouldn't it, right? Why, why wouldn't you do that? Because it would just make sense. But no, I think this match is going to be super crazy. Pardon the pun. Uh, it's going to be balls to the wall, uh, and I think uh, it's going to it's going to be what we expect. Look, I don't want to see them sitting in the middle of a fucking ring in an arm bar, right? If I see one shin lock, I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> I'll go nuts, uh, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to they're going to go and they're going to do what they do best. Seventh match is IWGP Intercontinental Championship match with the champion Jay White defending against the challenger Tetsuya Naito in the first leg of our double gold dash. Uh, This was one of my feuds of the year. I really enjoyed the G1 block final match that they had together and the subsequent match at Destruction. I adored because I just love the dynamics between these two guys just trying to out-dickhead each other, basically. And we've seen Jay White win the previous two, so I think the smart money is on Naito winning this one. Do you think the quality of this match exceeds their previous two outings? Do you think there's pressure on them for this one to be the best? I think everybody has pressure at this point, right? I think everybody has a certain amount of, 
um, personal pride to be a match that people talk about, especially talk about going into night two. And especially if you're on the losing end, right? If you're on the losing end, I'm sure at the very least you'll want to have a, a great showing. Um, we asked this question, and I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag. We did ask this question to one Kevin Kelly. And I'm not going to give his response or his answer. But I find it very interesting that, again, we're going to walk out of here with with a double champion. I think everybody knows that at this point. But we're also going to walk out. Somebody's walking out 0-2. Right? Um, and I think that's significant because that person then has to recover from two losses at the biggest shows of the year. I think that's significant. Um, and I think that's a, that's an important thing people have to factor in. Somebody's losing twice. Um, and who has enough... Who has enough, I guess, for, for lack of a better term, and we'll use a video game analogy or... or how, you know, how many hit points does a person have, right, that, that they can take two losses and still be considered, you know, and oh, let's put it this way, not be considered Hiroki Goto, right? Like who of these four has enough that could, that can withstand two losses, Joel? I think Jay White is a guy who's young enough and has had a strong enough 2019 that I don't think two losses at the Tokyo Dome will hurt him at all because he had the big win in the Tokyo Dome last year. So I think he could take two losses and lead into that. And, you know, in the interviews, he could be raging about how unfair it was, how he was screwed over, or whatever. He'll find some sort of angle to make it work. The only thing that's given me pause for thought is the fact that he has already lost to Ibushi in the G1 final. So you would think, the way that I'm booking it, that the losers match is going to be Ibushi versus Jay White. So we're sort of getting ahead of ourselves here, but it would be a bit strange for Ibushi to win that again. So that does give me pause for thought, but just to answer your question, I think Jay White is the person out of those four who could easily take two losses without it hurting them significantly. Okay. I'm going to throw something at you. I'm just going to throw names. Can Naito lose twice? Do you think, do you think there would be a riot in that building if he lost twice? I don't think there will be a riot in the building. There'd be a riot on Twitter. Yeah. And I think people would be very upset. And I think that would be a mistake. I do too. And I think it would be difficult for Naito to recover from that. It would be difficult for people to get invested in him as a serious contender for that top title if that were to happen. I, yeah. I mean, that would that would be something. If he lost twice, I mean, that's that's significant to me. That would be mind blowing, quite honestly. How about Abushi? Do you think Abushi could lose twice? He could, but I think he would suffer slightly more than a Jay White would. Right. And then Okada. But then again, he he has had a very strong 2019. I mean, 2019 has all has been all about elevating Ibushi and elevating Jay White. So he's won the G1. He's had a run with an intercontinental title. He's had big briefcase defenses against Kenta and Evil. So it's not as if losing these two matches would make him into an absolute jobber. But if the the 
idea has been to have this guy taken seriously as a threat to IWGP title. And a lot of people are saying, oh, well, he, he signed a new contract. His reward is the G1 win. And he's beaten Okada once. Now Okada's going to get his win back and Ibushi goes back into his spot. Then him losing twice would add more fuel to that fire. Yeah. Yeah. To me, he seems like the guy that could that could take it the best. Like he could he could be the guy that that has enough wiggle room to take two pinfall losses. I don't think you're seeing Okada lose twice. I I, I would be absolutely shocked, and he's in the bottom of the pile of that. Um, I think it's between White and Abush, and I think I I, I would think I'm going to go Abush. I'm going to go Abushi taking taking two pinfall losses. I think he can handle it. I think he's got enough sponginess to be able be able to absorb it. I think Naito would be a disaster, um, and I think White, to a certain degree, you would you still need him to get at least one of those wins. I think Abushi's the guy to go zero and two. I do, and I go back and forth between him and Jay. But I just think Owen two. I, I think Owen two Naito would be the biggest mistake they could make. Okay, so you got Naito winning the Intercontinental Title here. No, I Naito winning the whole thing. Uh, but I mean, just for this match, as we go. Oh yeah, my match. Sorry, sorry, my bad. Naito yeah. versus Jay White. You got Naito Correct. winning, right? Correct. Yes. And <clears throat> IWGP Heavyweight Championship match because it's got Okada defending against the G One Climax with Okada Ibushi. Uh, there was an interesting pair of interviews on the New Japan YouTube where Ibushi has been talking about how he can bring himself to that next level. And there was an interesting quote. He says, just maybe I still have something that nobody has ever seen before. And if I could bring that out, I could likely beat him. So even you recognize something that you haven't tapped into yet, the interviewer asks him and he says, it's the side that I have yet to show. So that's made me quite excited about this match. And I thought their G1 block final match was good, but it wasn't great. And so I'm in two minds about this. Was that because they knew they were going to have another match main eventing the Tokyo Dome on January 4th, so they needed to keep something in their locker? Or was it some sort of incompatibility between the two of them as wrestlers, given their, their, style, their different styles? But I am leaning more towards the former, and I think this has the potential to be a match of the year candidate. And I do think Okada is going to win, but I'm excited, given what we've seen from Ibushi in the build-up to this match, that he has shown that murder Ibu side to him. So hopefully we're going to see some real fire and passion and maybe something extra dangerous from the Golden Star. Can I throw this out? Do you, do you does, does that mean something that we talked about last week? Do you see that being a possibility? Going 0 and 2. But are we looking at Healabouche? I don't think so. I, I think no. that murder coater side to him is more effective when it is periodically emerging under extreme pressure from the usual sort of happy, smiling fan favorite Golden Star. I don't think I would like to see him turning heel, no. Gotcha. This match is going to be spectacular. I mean, you got a guy who... I, 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 it is brought up often in our Discord. You know, Abushi's not a, a young guy. 
He's not 25, right? He's been in this business for a long time. He's headlining for the first time Tokyo Dome, right? Against a guy who hasn't even hit his prime yet. Against a guy who I still feel his best years are still yet to come when it comes to being a pro wrestler. That's that's amazing to me. Uh, this match was going to blow the roof off. Uh, and it might be the match of the weekend. It might be the match of the weekend. Um, I'm going Okada here. I think this would be spectacular. Uh, I think Ibushi will put on a performance like no other. Uh, on a big stage, on a big spotlight. And I'm, I mean, I am fucking fired up for this match. I think this will be spectacular. And a match that, quite honestly, again, I really feel like there's there's something in the in in the works. Something is up. Something is is brewing. I really feel like they want to have people buzzing and talking and the internet going and all that for night two. I really think that is going that is their end goal with night one is to have people just salivating and waiting 24 hours for night two. I, and, 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 if, and this is a match that can absolutely make that happen. Let's move on to night two then in Sunday, January 5th. And our opening match is the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championship gauntlet match. The champions, Ryusuke Takuchi, Toriyano, and Togi Makabe defending against the Chaos team of Robbie Eagles, Yoshihashi, and Tomohiro Ishii. The LIJ team of Bushi, Shingo Takagi, and Evil. The Suzuki-gun team of Yoshinobu Kanemaru, El Desperado, and Taichi. And the Bullet Club team of Chase Owens, Yujiro Takahashi, and Bad Luck Farley. So this match is random entry. Two teams at a time in 60-minute full matches. The winners stay on. The last team left are the never openweight six-man champions. So I am an unashamed fan of these matches. I know a lot of people have waved them, but I like the sort of short, snappy element of them where you get these sort of mini trios matches and you usually get some fun spots and some cool spots. So I'm looking forward to this one. I do think the title will change hands. And I'm torn between either LIJ because I do see some value in having an LIJ roll call at the end of night two where all of the members of LIJ are holding gold, but also Suzuki good, especially if they do run an angle on night one, then it will be a great way to kick things off for, you know, hypothetically speaking, if we're looking at uh, Taichi Gun for Taichi, Despi, and Kanemaru to win those belts. So I'm undecided about those two. I think I'm leaning slightly more towards LIJ winning it, but what are your thoughts on the match? Yeah, I'm leaning LIJ. Um, it's, it's, let's get as many people as we can into a match um, on night two, and I get it. Um, it's for titles that they never even knew they had. They dusted, you know, it was left in somebody's closet, and they finally found them. It feels like, but that's a lot, a lot of talent in one match. Um, and you're right; they're they're all going to work in their spots. They're all going to work in, uh, you know, get in, get out. Let's not be in there too long, which makes the match that much more interesting and and dare I say entertaining. Um, there's a lot of possibilities, a lot of matchups that you can go with, um, that, w- that will raise, you know, and, and perk people up in their seats. I'll go LIJ because I truly believe that what you vocalized with an LIJ group hug 
fist in the air. I think it's a very strong possibility. Um, so we'll 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 take that and run with it. Go Lij with the win. Just a quick question on tights here. Yapatai Strap says, "What are the chances of a live performance of pageant?" And my first and final offer for the Tai Chi poster is fifty pounds. The Tai Chi poster is not for sale. That is going up in my uh, incoming daughter's bedroom, and it is staying there. Wow. Uh, and live performance of pageant. Uh, I don't know about that. Probably not. I think maybe next year when he's in a more prominent position on the cards. But a live performance for a never six man gauntlet match. No. I, I'm, I'm still flabbergasted by the uh, the placement of that poster. <laughs> That's going to be great. Hanging up there. Uh, right, right, right over there. You know, some people have Winnie the Pooh. Some people go with, uh, you know, a little Mickey Mouse theme or, you know, whatever. You know, Tai Chi. You're going all in. I like this. I, I like this. This is good parenting. I like this. I, David, I really want to be one of those dads who takes their kids to the New Japan shows and the kids dressed up in those adorable little outfits oh, like a wrestler. So. yeah. Little Tai Chi outfit for baby Esther. Oh, adorable. Oh, my God. All right. All right. Let's move on. I'm going to cry. Okay. uh, Our first match is Jusha Thunder Liger retirement match two with Naoki Sano and Jusha Thunder Liger with Yoshiaki Fujiwara taking on the team of Ryu Lee and Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, Now, David, this is a match that I was a bit taken aback by at first because I wanted a singles match and I still sort of lean towards I think a singles match would have been better. But I have come around on this match and the story it's telling as the two rivals of the past taking on the two rivals of the present and the future of the junior division. So uh, I think it's a pretty cool story that they're telling and I am expecting the match to end with... I, I th- I'm leaning towards Hiromu pinning Liger at the end of this match. Yep, that's exactly what I would think. Um, and how Liger's going to lose is he's going to slip on my tears that are going to flood the ring. <laughs> it's, it's just feet are just going to go right from out from under him. I don't well, to, can I jump in? We've got a few questions, actually, yeah. uh, on this uh, tip. Uh, Louis says, if David is well lit on Strong Zeros, can we expect him to do the run-in during either of Liger's matches? Will he make it to the ring before security tackle him? And Brian says, how many boxes of tissues should we bring for Liger retirement? And how many boxes of tissues will David need for the two nights? <laughs> well, there's no way my fat ass is getting over that barricade and into the ring. So we can, we can remove that. Um, look, I'd be thrilled if I just see the man. Uh, and you know, one on one, that would be unbelievable. I don't know how that would possibly be. If anybody's listening, if we can make that happen, that would be uh, that'd be wonderful. Um, look, I, I, uh, you know, as silly as this may sound, you know, just thinking about it, I do get a little bit, a little emotional. It's, 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 I, look, I to answer the question, I probably will have, I'm not going to be bawling, mind you, uh, but I'm going to be. I'm going to be proud to be there. I'm going to be happy to be there. Uh, I'm going to celebrate the man's career. Uh, and that might be a lot of strong zeros and a, and a couple of tears on a guy who... Uh, not a lot that can, that can make shake that... Shake, shake those tears out of my head. Uh, yeah, I want to be surprised. I, I, I'm, I'm. Look, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to try and, 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 and fake. It, it, it might happen, and I think there's a very good, strong possibility that it will. And whatever, call me names. Cry, baby, Damon. I think it's wonderful, personally, that 
this silly pro wrestling business, these fake fights can bring us to such emotional extremes of joy and anger, frustration, despair, and this, I, I guess, what, what is this, nostalgia about uh, losing something that has been a, a very big part of your past. And I think that's something to be celebrated. I do too. I know, and I think about, like, I've been to many retirement for sports, you know, athletes and local heroes. And, you know, there's been a lot that I've been very fortunate to be a part of working in sports media. Um, you know, retirement ceremonies and banner raisings and favorite players and all that. This this is different. This is this is very this is different. This is very different. Um, and you got to realize this is a this is a person that has been part of something that I've that I've loved since I can remember. Um, he's always been in the mix. Uh, he's a guy. I'll tell you. He's a guy that. One of the first apartment I ever had growing up, uh, that I, on myself for the first time I moved out of my house. We had the house or the apartment, and I had they gave I, I actually got the biggest room, which was nice. I shared it with like uh, two other guys, and uh, the first thing I did was uh, I had the girl I was seeing at the time. Um, she she could really she was a really great artist, and she drew like three oh, right on the wall, like drew on the one painted. On a wall that I, on a, that I didn't own, uh, it was Liger, like three different things of Liger, and one of them was the mask of that the the bluish purpley one. So I always remember that. It was like right over my bed, this gigantic drawing of him there. Like, I don't know, it's just weird. Like I just think of all the different. Like one time I bought like like three hundred dollars worth of worth of Mac, Japanese wrestling magazines, and I basically like destroyed the magazines because all I did was cut out the Liger pictures and made like a collage, right? Like, you know, like, like it was like uh new kids on the block or, you know, whatever, uh, one direction or whatever. Um, look, he's my favorite of all time. What am I going to do? Uh, it's, I knew, we knew this day was going to come. I'll stop talking. It's going to be great. The end. Thank you. Daryl asks, uh, Liger teased a rematch with Suzuki after King of Pro Wrestling. Any chance that there's an angle on uh, January 5th that leads to an absolute final retirement singles match of Liger at Dash? Seems like his final match couldn't possibly be eating a pin in a tag. Uh, no, I think the final match will be eating a pin in a tag. I don't think there's going to be any extra matches after this, and that is the way Liger wants it. So uh, let's move on to the next match then on the card, which is the second match. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. Champions El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori defending against the challengers, the Super Junior Tag League winners of 2019, Rapongi 3K, Sho and Yo. I'm really excited about this match. I love my junior tag matches. Rapongi 3K, well, both these teams actually have had a tremendous year. They've got really good chemistry together, and I'm expecting this one to be a banger. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, I, I, I love those junior tag matches probably just as much as you do. Um, and they're in a tough spot as well here, coming off the back of the emotional lag at retirement. So I think they need to open this up with a really big spot. You know, you remember that Wrestle Kingdom 11 one where Beretta did that tope and the Young Bucks just moved out of the way and he just went splat straight on the floor. Something like that to just shake the audience out of their emotional stupor and get into this match. You made a great point. That That's a tough spot they're in, right? <laughs> following Following that, yeah, that is a tough spot. God bless them. Yeah, they got to come. You're, and you're exactly right. 
Like if I'm them, we gotta we gotta do something. We gotta do something to to, to shake them, you know, shake that crowd. Um, good point, really good point. That's a tough spot to be in. And there and here's the thing though, they can do it. I really feel like they can do it. Um, but boy, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be an uphill climb. Uh, title change. I think so. Just the fact that Rapogi 3K have never won at the Tokyo Dome, so they've had two failed attempts at winning the tag titles. So, uh, no, sorry, they they lost them to the Young Bucks at Wrestle Kingdom 12, and then at Wrestle Kingdom 13, they were unsuccessful in that three-way. So I think they need to get their big moment here at the Dome and win the belts. Yep, I agree. And again, we we got to change the mood in the building, so a big win would be nice for them. Um, and I think that's what we'll see. I, I don't, th- I don't see how you can come off an emotional moment like Liger, and then have El Fantasmo be an asshole, right, and do something dastardly, and uh, fuck over Rapongi and and walk away with the belts. I don't see how you could do that. Um, you need something. You, re- I always talk about the the that New Japan doesn't always give you that feel good moment, and that's one of the reasons why I love them. I feel like this they kind of have to give you a feel good moment here. At the end of the Super J Cup, Liger very reluctantly presented El Fantasma with that golden jacket, and there was a bit of tension between them, and they seemed to be teasing something. Do you think it's just a coincidence that this match is coming immediately after Liger's retirement, or do you think that they might? Do something. I don't know what. I, I have no idea. I think Dash. Think it's just, you know, I, I I do. I think I think if if anything is going to happen where they would fuck around with the, that ceremony, El Fantasma might be your guy to do the fucking. <laughs> but you, you can isolate that video or that audio. Um, you know, if anybody's going to be that heel, that junior heel, that's going to cause something to go astray. It's El Fantasma, right? So I think if if they decided to go that route, Dash would be where that would happen, right? Yeah, I think you could be right there. Uh, third match is the British Heavyweight Championship match where we have the champion, Zack Sabre Jr., defending against the challenger, Sanada. And I think this is going to be your sort of grapple fuck match, but in a good way. I think... Uh, I hope this one doesn't go much longer than 10 minutes. I thought they they have very good chemistry together. I think Zach is one of Sanada's best opponents in New Japan. And I think this one's going to be really good. I, I mean, I hope, presumably, Sanada's going to be recovered from that facial injury because they haven't said anything about him not being ready or being replaced. So fingers crossed he's okay for that. And I think, yeah, give this one 10 minutes, have it be a fun little sprint. And I think I'm leaning towards Sanada to win this one so one so he can be part of that gold uh, dripping with gold roll call from LIJ at the end of the night and also that Sonata can go and save Brit Ress <laughs> yeah yep that's what they're that's that's what they want that's what the that's what the people want right uh, do we have a title change yeah why not what the fuck let's do it right and again, it does fall in line with what we're projecting with an LIJ roll call, all gold. Sonata needs it. Eh, fuck it. Let's do it. He does. He needs some singles gold, doesn't he? Yep. Yep. And and then he goes on and represents Brit Ress and uh, he'll hang out in Manchester and listen to Stone Roses. That That's my protection. <laughs> yeah. Sonata, he's the cold skull. He's my real prime minister, the prime minister yeah. of my heart. 
All right, fourth match then is IWGP US Heavyweight Championship match with X, either John Moxley or Lance Archer, facing the challenger, Juice Robinson. Booking is a bit suspect here. You know, you could say, why does Juice deserve this shot? How come Mox or Archer have to win two matches over the space of two days to keep their title, but Juice only has to do one? So I do understand and share those concerns. But at the end of the day, a Juice Robinson singles match is never something that I'm going to turn my nose up at and something that I'm excited about. So uh, as we discussed before, I think it's going to be Juice versus Lance Archer and Juice gets his win back. Their match they had at King of Pro Wrestling wasn't brilliant and it was extremely last minute because it was uh, supposed to be Moxley versus Juice, but Moxley uh, didn't get there on time because his flight was delayed or cancelled, I forget which. So it was kind of a rushed last minute match that they had. So I think given the time, this match could be much better. And I am predicting Juice to get his win back and slay the giant and be double gold juice at the end of this one. Double gold juice. Um, I don't know. I just think the tag match kind of shows their cards a little bit. Um, And I really do think there will be a title change. I just think it needs we need something fresh in tag as opposed to something fresh on the U.S. title. Um, I do think it's Lance who participates in this match, and I do think it's Lance that actually walks away as the successfully defending U.S. champion. I think he'll walk out of there uh, as champion. I think that I, I I really am confident that this will be a, a very good match. I think even better than what we saw before. Um, but yeah, I think Lance holds on to gold at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm also aware now of the fact that I've picked a lot of baby faces to win, so I'm sort of leaning all in on the feel-good <laughs> moment. So That's yeah, right. I think now you've I've realised that, and what you've just said, I'm sort of leaning slightly more toward. No, I'm not doing it. No, double gold juice. I'm sticking to my guns. All right, uh, fifth it. match, uh, the never overweight championship match. Champion Kenta defending against Hiroki Goto. Now, this is a tricky one. I think this has been a really well-built-up match. I think the match is going to be great because Goto always delivers in these big spots at Wrestle Kingdom. You go back, you watch his match at Wrestle Kingdom 11 with Shibata, Wrestle Kingdom 12 with Suzuki, both, I think, match of the year candidates. So I'm sure these two guys are going to put on an absolute banger. They're going to just beat the piss out of each other. It's going to be great. Winner is hard to call here because you'd imagine Shibata is in Goto's corner. And again, that's another feel-good moment that you're sort of tempted to go towards. You think Goto winning it and Shibata raising his hands, defeating the evil Kenta. But I think there is more left in this Kenta never overweight championship run. Maybe even against opponents, dare I say, who are inactive at the moment. I don't I don't want to get back on Shibata watch, but... <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I'm picking Kenta to win this one. Nice. So am I. I, I would also say Kenta gets the win here. Um, I think we'll see Shibata uh, involved in this match physically once again. Uh, I think he'll play a factor in, in the match, but I do think that uh, Kenta wins. I, I don't think – I think it would be an easy thing for Goto to win with Shibata's help. Um, I don't think they'll do that. And you're right. I think they're, that this never open weight title on Kenta has a lot more legs, um, a little more distance to go. And I don't think Goto is the right guy for it. So 
Uh, I'll say Kenta gets a sneaky-ass win, but Shibata plays a, a factor in getting some revenge in front of close to 35,000 people. Sixth match is a special singles match with uh, the two non-champions after January 4th's Intercontinental and Heavyweight Championship matches will meet, which I think is going to be Jay White against Kota Ibushi. Uh, we've already talked about this a bit. Uh, Mark has a question. Which of the four guys in the double gold dash is going 0-2 over the two Wrestle Kingdom shows? Uh, Jake would like to see some discussion of how the presence of a third place match on January 5th helps telegraph the main. For instance, No Way Okada versus Naito is a third place match which eliminates White versus Ibushi as a possibility. So, again, I think we, we discussed this already. I am predicting Ibushi versus Jay White. And I think... Ibushi's going to beat Jay White again because I think Ibushi could be a contender to challenge for that IWGP title at New Beginning in Osaka Joe Hall. So as I'm predicting, I think Naito is going to be the champion. I think Naito versus Ibushi for Osaka Joe Hall for the title could be a good match for that. Yeah, I absolutely think so. Um, I think the participants uh, are the same. I think we have, you know, I know I have Jay White and Ibushi in this match. I'm on the fence. I, this one's really difficult. I, 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 I just can't see Jay going 0-2. I, I really don't. I just think they have too much invested, and I think it does more damage uh, to him than it would Ibushi going 0-2. I think there's going to be a reason for him going 0-2. I think there's going to, I don't think it's just going to be – I think there's unfortunately will be some type of shenanigan going on. Uh, something will be amiss. Uh, but yeah, I really do think that Abush goes 0-2 and Jay White picks up the win here in the consolation prize. Seventh match is a special singles match, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Chris Jericho. So quite a bit to say about this. Uh, first of all, Tanahashi and also Yuji Nagata have signed new contracts in New Japan, so no real surprises there. Now, as per Tokyo Sports, Tanahashi says that he will open the forbidden door and ask for an AW title shot if he beats Chris Jericho. So Chris Charlton provides us with a translation. Tanahashi said, he's a champion, right? All I'm saying is if I beat him and he comes back asking for a rematch, then I think it's reasonable to tell him to put the belt up. If that happened, it would break down a door. So Jericho responded last night on Instagram. Jericho said, and I agree, if you can beat me in the Tokyo Dome on January 5th, I will give you a shot at the All Elite Wrestling World Championship. Hashtag forbidden door. Now, I'm not really sure what to make make of this statement. My gut feeling is that originally it was just Tanahashi going rogue. He's got a history of saying ridiculous things to hype up his matches. He just looked at his match with Jericho and thought, huh, there's no buzz here. I'm going to say something that's going to get people hyped up. And Jericho's just playing along with it. I do not think there's any uh, smoke or any fire to this smoke. Uh, you know, we've got people asking us questions. Derek says, what are the odds that Jericho walks down the aisle with the AEW belt? Uh, I I don't know about that so much. I, I, I say, why not? I mean, let him bring the belt out, but I'm fairly certain that Jericho is winning this one after everything they said, because you can't say all of this stuff about Tanahashi winning and then getting an AEW title shot. And I don't think that is something that the, the companies would be willing to do. So I just think they're just trying to hype up the match. And I think Chris Jericho wins. How here, here's, and I'm trying not to have this happen. A lot of this in my mind is based off of the fact of, Oh my God, 
I'm going. We're going to have months of people asking us about AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling if any of the following happen. Jericho walks to the ring with the AEW Heavyweight Championship around his waist. If Chris Jericho gets a win over Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, I mean, our lives are going to be fucking... Uh, Other way around, surely. (laughs) Tanahashi getting the win over Jericho would be more speculation. Correct, correct, correct. I'm sorry, that's what I meant. Um, our our lives would be would be miserable, wouldn't it? Like I I just can't imagine doing podcast for months, just having to 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 deal with that speculation. So I am on my hands and knees, begging and pleading to the pro wrestling gods, please, please, let's just have Chris Jericho pin Tanahashi clean as a sheet in the middle of the ring. One two three, and Save us. Save us, Chris Jericho. Remember that? Save us, Chris Jericho. And the irony here, David, is that Tanahashi has become the Judas. Yeah, right, right, right. I will be actively rooting for Chris Jericho at yeah, the Tokyo. It's going to be Dome. great. Both of us sitting there. Come on, Judas effect. Yeah. I've become, I've become, I've become. Right. I mean, I'm going to be rooting for Chris Jericho because I will hate my life knowing that the talk and the speculation and the questions and the the AEW talk will drive me to a breaking point. Please, Chris, save us. I I do want to say, it's not that we are necessarily against a partnership. We're just fucking sick of talking about it. We're sick of the speculation. So it's just hilarious that it's gone from last year's Wrestle Kingdom where I was cheering for Tanahashi. Come on, Tanahashi, beat Kenny Omega, get him out of here. And then 12 months later, I go, yeah, Chris Jericho, come on, beat this guy. Elbow me in the teeth. (laughs) All for our selfish reasons, though. Uh, Right. And and you're exactly right. Here's the thing. Uh, you know, I'm not even going to bring it up. I'm, I'm biting my tongue. I'm not. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to ask a question that almost slipped out of my tongue that would just open up the floodgates. So, speaking of forbidden door, I ain't opening that fucking door. Chris Jericho, I'm rooting for you. Win this match to save Joel and Damon's mental state, <laughs> please. Yeah, that, if he wins, that's going to save us at, at least half an hour on this subsequent podcast. That's going to be the show. So, dude, Come we're going to be we're going to be hugging each other. Our lives, our, <laughs> we are going to high five and hug each other if Chris Jericho gets that pin. Imagine Tanahashi hitting that high fly flow, and we just look at each other. I'm just going to gaze over slowly to you and be like, with that 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 Kermit the Frog face, that face. <laughs> Right? That's exactly what's going to happen. And our lives are going to be miserable for months. Uh, Daryl says, how do you book Tanahashi Jericho? Tanahashi wins if Jericho isn't coming back or have Jericho destroy Tanahashi and rebuild him for the rematch later in the year. Tana can use the time off and beating Jericho is a big de- bigger deal after a longer feud build. I- I'm not sure I want to see Jericho in New Japan that many times, but certainly that is one direction they could go where Jericho gets a big dominant win and then maybe later on in the year when he is not AEW champion, Tanahashi could get his win back. But uh, I don't know if they're going to go for multiple matches there. And uh, Sensational Osiris says, do you think this will be Tanahashi's last big Wrestle Kingdom match? So uh, what are your thoughts on those two points, Damon? I don't think it'll be his last big one. Um, He'll be in the mix until they put him six feet under. Um, Now... 
I'm sure next year he'll be in the mix in in some fashion, some form. Um, look again, my ideal situation would be a Chris Jericho win, and and that's that, and we just wipe our hands of the rest. Um, <laughs> again, pure selfish reasons, but that's that's honestly that's where my heart is lying right now. What are you expecting in terms of quality for this match? Because both guys are not the youngest in the world, looking no. pretty beaten up. Um, I'm slightly apprehensive about this. But then again, they are, dare I say, pro wrestling geniuses. So yeah. I would like to think that they come up with a creative way of making an entertaining match. But I'm a little bit nervous about this one. Don't be. I think it'll be very, 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 very good. I think, I think it has a possibility of being great. Look, again, physically, you know, this is the Tokyo Dome. And this is his house. And we're talking about Tanahashi. Um, From the very beginning, when I even thought about talking into a microphone and having people listen to it, uh, I've we've been saying Tanahashi, you know, held together by duct tape and... He's, you know, he'll probably take a back seat next year. And, you know, that arm, that shoulder, that bicep, those knees, the back, the neck. We've we've done this countless times. Hiroshi Tanahashi will deliver in a big spot at the Tokyo Dome. He will wrap whatever he has to wrap. He will stretch whatever he has to stretch. He will pop whatever medication he might need <laughs> to get through the night. <laughs> a shot or two. That, that I good don't stuff know. he was using for the bodybuilding competition. <laughs> right, right. Some of that, some of that magic elixir. If you know what I'm saying, to uh, get swole. Um, and we're kidding, of course. We're not speculating there. Um, our point is this: I have, I, 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 I don't have the guts. To, to bet against Hiroshi Tanahashi performing at a at an optimum level at in the Tokyo Dome. And I'll go so far as to say Chris Jericho the same. Chris Jericho is not 1996-97 Chris Jericho. He's not 2000 Chris Jericho. He he's a uh, you know, he's got a lot of miles. But again, two of the smartest pro wrestlers um in my lifetime. Uh, I'm going to put my money on them going out there and putting on a fucking hell of a semi-main event. Okay, I hope you're right. And now, moving on to the main event where we will have the eighth match, IWGP Heavyweight and IWGP Intercontinental Double Championship match. I am predicting this to be Kazuchika Okada losing to Tetsuya Naito. I was there in the Tokyo Zone, as were you, Damon, Wrestle Kingdom 12, when everyone and his mother thought that was going to be Naito's crowning moment of glory. He'd already lost to Okada once in the Tokyo Dome for the title. Wasn't going to happen again, but Naito, he hit that Destino. His eyes lit up. He screamed to the crowds. He started pointing to, I think he was pointing at the top rope. Maybe he wanted to go for a Stardust press. And then he went for that second Destino. He just waited a bit too long, and then Okada caught him. There was a spinning tombstone, and then the Rainmaker, and a one, two, three, and the air was just let out of that building like a deflated balloon. 
And walking back from that, it was like a funeral march. People, you know, all kitted out in their LIJ merchandise. They could not believe it. I couldn't believe it. And it's just that moment afterwards where Naito is a beaten man. He's he's devastated. He's limping away from the ring. And then Okada, he just can't help himself. He grabs the mic. He can't resist a little dig. And he says, Naito-san, the main event at the Tokyo Dome, how was it? And then Naito just looks at him with that look in his eyes like he just wants to jump back in that ring and murder Kazuchika Okada. But then he puts that wry little smile to try and cover up how much he's hurting and he limps off with that ungovernable grin on his face. We've been waiting two years for payback from that. They've kept this match away from us. I think we're going to get it again here and I think this is Naito's moment in the sun. I think he wins both belts, the first man to do so, and closes Wrestle Kingdom with an LIJ roll call with the newly crowned British heavyweight champion Sanada, the newly crowned junior heavyweight champion Hiromu, and the newly crowned never open weight six-man champions Evil, Shingo, and Bushi. And we have an LIJ moment of glory. Here it is. All laid out in front of you, right? You, you, this is, you've been waiting. I know who you are. You've been waiting. You've been you've been wondering how, how why are they doing this? Why why you 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 see the merch, you see the fans, you see the people. What what's happening? Why what, what why can't this guy catch a break? I'm a fan of this guy. There's there's thousands of of of, of us, and we're all asking the same thing. Why why? It doesn't make any sense. And you've waited, and you've been patient, and you've waited. And you've been patient, and you go through G one, and you know you're once again questioning what, what, the, the the emotional investment is 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 it even worth it at this point? What's what's the purpose? It all pays off. Being a good pro wrestling fan that you are, you know that this company you need a little patience, right? You like the slow burn. New Japan loves the slow burn. You got to appreciate the slow burn. And if you don't appreciate the slow burn, boy, it's fucking painful. Well, here's your payoff. Here's where the slow burn pays off. I truly believe that you're going to have your night. And your night is January 5th. At right around, oh, I'd say, what, 9 o'clock, 9.30, Tokyo time. You're going to have your time. And yes, it will be Naito holding gold in the middle of the ring, double champ, and you'll have your moment. And then you can go out and you can breathe a sigh of relief. You can have the tears run down your face. You can have to smile as 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 wide as it can go. Because tonight, it's going to be your night. January 5th, if you're an LIJ person, if, you, if, you, if you're an LIJ fan, congratulations. Because... That patience that we talked about and that slow burn, it paid off, and you were there for it, and you were there for the whole ride. Welcome to being a pro wrestling fan, right? This is what it's all about. You got you got the best of it. You got the best of pro wrestling, and here's your payoff. Congratulations. Enjoy the night. Enjoy the moment, because I truly believe Two Belt Naito is a, is a reality. What are your thoughts on the quality of the match itself? Because 
some people say that Naito Okada matches are just a little bit disappointed. They don't quite hit that match of the year caliber expectations in ring. I think every near fall is going to be spectacular. That last five minutes, and you know you're going to see those near falls happen. And dare I say, could they even throw in the callback spot where you're shitting your pants because he hit a Destino, Okada kicks out, and you know he's got to hit another one. And everybody in the building knows you got to hit another one, right? And he goes for it. And, and that lump in your throat of, oh, don't fuck this up, right? You know that's going to happen. Again, I think it pays off. I think this is your night. I think the matches are good. I think the matches are going to be great. And again, I think that closing stretch is going to be unbelievable. Because when that hits three, again, it's a sigh of relief. It's a, it's a, it's a that deflating that we that we felt in the Tokyo Dome two years ago. There, there's going to be a lot of pent up stuff and a lot of pent up nervousness blowing the roof off the Tokyo Dome. Now I say that and watch him lose night one. <laughs> I mean, say what you will, but we've got some quality audio there for the uh, cold open at the start of the next show when Naito <laughs> eats two losses. Trust me, I got Nine Inch Nails hurt. Loaded right up. <laughs> it's ready to go. Uh, well, let's uh, dig into this uh, a little bit more. Question, Sarah says, odds on Naito fans burning the Tokyo Dome to the ground if he doesn't win it all on night two. And uh, yeah, we'll just go with that one first of all. What do you think the response will be if Naito doesn't win this match? I think I think disappointment. I do. I really do. And I, and again, I know we talk about the New Japan Pro Wrestling and, and the wrestling community as a whole on Twitter and social media. But I even think in the building there'll be a, a, it would be disappointing. Um, I, know we say, I know we say it a lot, but I, I really think that they, eventually there has to be a payoff, and I think it has to be here. So I don't know about burn to the ground, but I think there's going to be a lot of head scratching if 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 night one, Naito takes a loss. There's going to be some head scratching for sure. So just a few quick questions then before we go. Uh, KSJ49 says, "What could be the match of the nights that no one is talking about?" Dadbod God says, "What is the match you are least looking forward to?" And Sarah says, "What do you think will be the best match and the worst match of the weekend?" Also, any advice for how to stay up late to watch the shows live? So I lumped a few questions there for you together. Yeah. Um, I mean, my go-to is, um, and I think they have them elsewhere. But I mean, the, the those energy shots, those five-hour energies, those 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 work. Um, so grab a couple of them at your local convenience store uh, and have them at standby. Um, that's that's the best way. That's the best advice I can give you, just to, to stay up and the excitement of the show. I mean, honestly, you, you it, it's hard. I get it, but you'll be fine. Uh, just get a little caffeine in you. Uh, best best match again. I think it's going to be Okada Ibushi. Um, I think Okada Naito is going to be ex- ex- you know exceptional, and I think uh, Osprey and Hiroma will be off the walls. Great. Um, least favorite or least looking forward to anyway. Probably that Tenzan Kojima um, Nakanishi. Uh, Nagata tag match would probably be if 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 I have to that might be back uh, bathroom slash beer break. 
Yeah, that leads into the next question. Goldfather says, am I the only one that thinks the undercard for Wrestle Kingdom 14 is a little underwhelming? I think some of those matches early on in January 4th are a bit underwhelming, but I mean, that's okay. I've made my peace with it at this point. I am excited enough about the big matches and the big title matches that I think no one is going to walk out of these shows disappointed. And they they usually, well, they, I think they always deliver in these big spots. So I'm tremendously excited. Uh, Bork says, are you expecting an announcement for a UK show to happen on one of the nights? Last year was when they announced a UK show that turned out to be Royal Quest. So yeah, I think we'll get another one of those video package outlining what the big tour dates and uh, big venues are going to be for uh, the upcoming year. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to be surprised if uh, they have another UK show. Um, again, we haven't heard anything specific to that, but um, if it's going to be, if it's going to happen, they're going to announce it there. So, um, and again, I think Royal Quest was was a success, and uh, I think they're jonesing to get back there too. Ben Lars says, as someone going into Wrestle Kingdom without knowing too much about New Japan, what do I need to watch slash hear slash read to catch up on narratives as much as possible? I would go to the New Japan Pro Wrestling YouTube channel because they've got a lot of really good videos there, little hype videos for the matches and the series called The Recount, where I think they do a really good job in uh, outlining the backstory for a lot of these feuds and histories and things like that. You got any other advice, Damon, for newer fans? Um... I mean, that's a great place to start. I find it amazing that a newer fan would listen to us and then, you know, and then go uh, on, on the board. Um, that's a good place to start. Uh, probably the best place to start. I mean, for, for a quick catch-up, find out what these storylines are and what these people are about. Yeah, I would say New Japan's um, YouTube page, those videos, is probably going to be your best bet. Um, just an eye forward to New Year Dash. So Matt says, Wrestle Kingdom and New Year's Dash set the time for the first portion of the year. Who on the undercard is going to start building momentum at Wrestle Kingdom to move a level or two up in 2020? Jake says, who could be the first to challenge the double champion after Wrestle Kingdom for a new beginning? Sloth says, assuming Naito walks out of the January 5th show with both belts, which I'm not counting on, what are the chances of an LIJ implosion at Dash with Naito versus Sonata a new beginning in Sapporo for the IC title? And the Gary show says, what is your big surprise prediction for New Year's Dash? Mine is Shingo turning on Naito. So in terms of people who have been elevating, I think we, we talked a bit about people like Sanada, people maybe like Chase Owens, maybe Shingo getting a big pin, uh, maybe even Taichi. Uh, but do you have any big predictions for New Year's Dash? Because there's usually some big angle there to set things up for a new beginning. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know whose contract's up. Isn't this usually the time when people start talking about people leaving and people going and and all that stuff? Um, that's usually the buzz going into New Year Dash. Um, I mean, I, I, again, I think some type of significant turn in one of the factions and an implosion in a faction is, is a... Is a, is a very good guess whether you want to go LIJ, whether you, whether you want to go Bullet Club, or excuse me, um, if you want to go uh, Suzuki Gun. That's probably the safest bet right now, going with either one of those two. Um, one thing I did want to bring up, Joel, and I, and I can't believe that, that I, I missed the, the ball on this one. A great place and a great resource. How about that Voices of Wrestling yearbook, right? Of course. Of, of course. course. I'm kicking myself for not mentioning that. I mean that that isn't that is a must have for every single New Japan Pro Wrestling fan. The work and the effort on on the bios that they they have bios on every New Japan Pro Wrestler. 
the, the year yeah, you've that you've got they to read had. those. So much effort gone into writing those character profiles, and they will catch you right up to date with what's been going on with those wrestlers in 2019. Yep. And again, in past years, I, I don't know if they're doing it again. In past years, uh, it was a pay what you want kind of thing, right? I don't know if that's the same this year. I can't speak to that, but in the past it was. So, I mean, if a couple bucks, five bucks, whatever you felt like the need to uh, uh, give uh, for their efforts, I mean, by all means. So I think that's a really great resource, uh, great reading, fantastic thought-provoking articles. Our own Joel Abraham, uh, front and center, uh, another uh, fantastic article that I had a sneak peek of. Um, and again, he, he, Joel, you always do a great job there. And, and the articles are great. And the character, excuse me, the uh, wrestler profiles are tremendous. It really is a snapshot of the year and the hard work that they do. So again, get that Voices of Wrestling yearbook, New Japan yearbook. Uh, get the past ones if you want to. Um, and those YouTube videos are, are you'll, you'll be caught up and ready to go. All right, so give me your hot tips for New Year Dash, please. Tips? Uh, again, I, I, I still think it's uh, a, a Suzuki Goon implosion. I'm going to go that route. Yes, me too. I, hopefully, given my big article in the Voices of Wrestling yearbook, I would love to see New Year Dash ending with the formation of Taichi Goon. So there's my hot tip for New Year Dash. Uh, all right, well, I think that will we'll call it a day here for now, Damon. That's what, six hours of audio from us over the past 48 hours. <laughs> we really did. We went the extra mile and we worked overtime for everyone um, to get you geared up for Wrestle Kingdom. Stick around, though. Do not hit stop on your recorder or your, your phone or wherever you're listening. Now is not the time to hit stop. Keep rolling. Uh, because right after this, right after Joel wraps it up, it's uh, an outstanding interview, if I don't say so myself, with the great Kevin Kelly, who, again, what a friend of the show. Um, it, it, you know, there, there are moments, there are moments, uh, and that is one of them, that interview. Uh, I thought it was thought-provoking. I thought there was a lot of interesting takes that Kevin had. Uh, and again, uh, some, of the, some of the responses that he had um, really will have you pumped up, fired up for not only Wrestle Kingdom, but for uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling in 2020. Before we go, let me just say something here. Um, I got to thank some people. I got to thank Editor Dan for this year. He has been a workhorse and has worked tirelessly and endlessly uh, editing this show. And making this show listenable and and quality, so I want to wish him the best and thank him for his efforts. I also want to thank Andrew Rich, who helped add extra spice and comedy and 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 hilarity to this show and and a, and a, added an extra dimension and an element that uh, was missing. And he helped take it to another level. I want to thank Rich and Joe from Voices of Wrestling for giving us a platform, an outstanding platform um, to be on, and dare I say, to me, the best pro wrestling network there is. Uh, and I want to thank you, the listeners, for making this year tremendous, and our growth has been unbelievable. And this has been a year that uh, I never thought would happen. 
I always thought this would just be a show where we talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, but we've actually become a resource and almost a news source, uh, dare I say, uh, when it comes to this product that we all are so very passionate about. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for every download, every listen, every comment. Um, the community built in Discord is unbelievable. Last but not least, let me thank the great Joel Abraham, because without him, this show would not happen. The, the behind-the-scenes stuff, something as, as small as uh, reaching out on social media and taking care of all that nonsense that I just can't handle, um, to the graphics. How about those graphics for the year-end? Um, again, he makes this show behind the scene work, and on air, I couldn't ask for a better partner. So uh, I can't wait to see you in Tokyo. We're going to have a blast. I want to wish everyone a great and safe, happy new year. I'll stop rambling. But motherfuckers, I'm going to see you in Tokyo, and we're going to have a blast. Yeah, let me give a few other thank yous. Ben Hallahan was the person who did those graphics for the end of year awards, which we put on Twitter. So thank you so much, Ben, for your hard work there. Give him a follow at Ben Hallahan on Twitter. And comms Pete. Uh, who did so much great work helping us with our end-of-year review, uh, Google Forms, and great Booze Leprechaun for all our hard work on the Discord, helping to create and maintain a friendly and inviting and safe community for all fans, uh, newer fans, older fans, whomever. And everyone has a great time there. And also for helping out with the show notes and listening to questions and things like that. So without all of those people that have been mentioned, this it would not be a thing. It wouldn't, wouldn't be there's something you know that people look forward to hearing every week and are listening to on their flights when they're heading to Tokyo and something that gives people just a little thing to look forward to every week. And it's just an absolute privilege to be a part of it. I enjoy every minute of being part of the show and it's been an amazing year, my first full year on the Super J cast and long may it continue into the future. Absolutely. All right, let's wrap it up again. Coming up next is an outstanding Kevin Kelly interview that we just got off doing. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Joel, wrap it up with the plugs, and I will see you in Tokyo. Redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash J dash cast if you want to throw a few dollars our way to say thank you for all the work we do. And thanks to our sponsors, manscaped.com. You can use promo code superjcast to get 20% off and free shipping. Join our Discord. The link to that is in the show notes. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash superjcast. I do have another design that's going to be working its way to us soon from the wonderful Tapler. Massive thank you to Editor Dan. Please visit his YouTube channel on Twitter at EscapeTheBoxUK. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network where you can listen to other great shows like Wrestling Omakase, where we did our three-hour extravaganza with uh, John and Joe. Give us a five snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the Super Jcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and goodbye. We're very lucky to once again be joined by the voice of New Japan for us English-speaking fans, Kevin Kelly. Kevin, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. First of all, happy holidays. Must be a very busy time of year for you. How have you been? I have been great. It is wonderful to be uh, with uh, with you two here around the holiday season and. The I look past. It's so weird because I look as soon as Christmas morning is over, right? And we get to about lunchtime. Then for me, I'm already looking ahead to Wrestle Kingdom. Like I'm I'm checked out on the rest of the week, the weeks, you know, the the ten days preceding. I just want to get to the dome. I just want to start. 
So that's why this is like so important to do this because I'm like bursting at the seams wanting to just start the show right now. You're you're yeah. you're a bit of a workaholic, Kevin. You you uh you you seem to always want to talk wrestling and share your love of this product and and get fan involvement and do shows like this. W where do you find the energy, sir? It you know, it's weird. I go back and forth. Um like some trips I'm at, after some trips I'm super jet lagged. But then other times I am, I'm not jet lagged at all. And such is the case with after the last three shows of the calendar year, I was in Japan for five days. I come home and I felt great. Full night's sleep, back on a normal clock schedule right away. Everything was great. So I was very, I'm very happy for that. I think it's, I kind of got it down to a science now and it just leaves me like, uh, you know, just excited for the job without any of the, the negativity that could be associated with, you know, spending, tw you know, 24 hours or so in a plane spread out over, you know, coming and going. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very thankful in that regard. That's kind of where I get my energy from that and a lot of drugs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, of course, Kevin, it's been a terrific year to be a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we really enjoyed your roundtable video on YouTube with Chris and Rocky and Gino, which I strongly recommend people check out. But what have been some of your favorite moments from 2019? As we did that, I, there were some that I had forgotten about. And I, Chris uh, did most of the work on it. Uh, we just showed up and, and looked pretty. Um, but he kind of he put together the, the slates, which were behind us. He was sort of the... The, the the internal champion of that project. We've been wanting to do more, but it's the, hey, English is still the second language for the company. And most of the people that work in the company don't speak a lot of English. So they're not really comfortable with it. They're, they're more apt to, if they come up with an idea, figuring a way to have the, uh, the Japanese announced talent perhaps do it. But so Chris, uh, did most of the work and there were things that as those slates came across, I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Like El Fantasmo who debuted in May. Um, you know, and, and I think any other year outside of uh, this amazing 2019 for Will Osprey, I think we'd be talking more about the accomplishments of, of El Fantasmo who's done a great job in the, in the junior heavyweight division. Um, the consistency of Switchblade Jay White, I think, has been uh, preeminent this year. Um, the, I, I looked at Naito's 2019 as a disappointment. I guess I really shouldn't. He sort of backdoored his way into this double gold dash, but uh, he definitely belongs there in terms of, of pecking order within the company. But in terms of 2019 resumes, his is by far the weakest. Uh, you know, and he just, you know, a victory over Taichi somehow got him into the mix. And then w what Kenta has done, I'll be honest with you guys. When I first saw Kenta in Dallas, I was like, okay, this isn't the same Kenta. And I don't know who this guy is who's impersonating Kenta, but holy crap, has he fallen off the, the truck? Like, did all that time away in WWE just destroy him mentally and physically? Who is this guy? But now he's figured it out, and he's wrestling smarter, and he's wrestling differently, and, and 
Um, I think when when we look back at what has what he's done just over the second half of the year, because he came in on June 9th and then his first matches started in July. Uh, really, I think he's kind of set himself apart in the second half of the year. What do you attribute that change to? What do you think happened for Kenta that made it all click for him? One of the things that I forgot about is that when, and this is the case with 99% of the guys that come out of the WWE, it's like they've been in prison and they've forgotten how to wrestle. And it takes them a little while to learn that it's okay to do the things that you did that made you successful before you got here. Even though that for the minute you step into those doors, I don't care who you are, you're told 10 different things by 10 different people, and you question every single thing that you do, that you did, that makes you made you successful, and that's the reason why nobody gets over there. Uh, I think that was just what we had forgotten. We just figured Kenta would come out and be like, oh, it's Kenta. Hey, cool. But he was in the WWE system for five years. And that's a long sentence, man. That's a long stretch. That's hard time. So um, I think it just took him a little bit to shake the rust off, to get confidence back in himself and decide, you know what? I get to do things my own way now. Well, this is what I want to do now because I'm a veteran. And I'm a different Kenta than when I was, you know, the smash and grab junior overachieving uh, in Noah. I want to be this guy and I want to do this. And everybody's like, cool, go for it. And he's like, wait, I can do this? Yes, do it. Okay. And then he goes out and he has success. Got his bell rung against Ishii, which didn't help. But for the rest of the year, it's been nothing but success. Kevin, were, were you amazed at the response from a, a, a Japanese perspective and a Japanese audience perspective of how he was received in the beginning and how it almost feels like, well, yeah, of course he, he had to turn heel at this point because it seemed like he didn't have the support of the people. It, it was, it struck me funny. And I really relied on Chris for that because it's like, uh, where's the hero's welcome? Well, he was a Noah guy and the fan bases are different. Um, and he was away for five years and he didn't get over in WWE and there may have been a wait and see approach, but who's this Noah guy that was away for five years that thinks he's going to come in and push his way to the front of the line. So a little bit of that, but again, it was the, the right, uh, it's the right setting for him to be in. Uh, I think he's bonded very strongly with Jado and Gato. And I think he's really relied on them for mentorship and for guidance. They have, I don't know how much of a rebuild they had to do on Kenta mentally, whether or not he was able to do it himself. But I think that those two, and I think Bullet Club has really helped Kenta with his confidence. Uh, because that was the thing that I felt was truly lacking with him when he first came back. I, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because last year we sat here and, you know, the talking points were Kenny leaving, Kenny going, Buck's staying, Buck's going. What's the situation? And we were going into Wrestle Kingdom and you had even said that 2019 was going to feel different and there was going to be some significant 
movement within the roster and where we sit right now, right? With the, with the elite and Kenny gone and off to their own promotion. What's that translation translation been like, not only for you, but how do you think it affected new Japan as a whole? I don't really think it affected new Japan at all. Uh, it affected those guys much more. Luckily they were able to land on their feet. I think it's all worked out pretty well for them. Um, but in terms of new Japan business, it didn't affect anything. Uh, and that's no disrespect to those guys, but it new Japan's business was only slightly affected when Nakamura left and when AJ left and when Chad and Gallows left, there was, there was not the system is built so that the next man up is ready to go. Um, and I think that Kenny's departure greatly assisted Ibushi into finally being free, finally being his own man, finally having to focus on his New Japan career and not be distracted. So I think that that was very beneficial for him. Um, I think that the talent departures, everybody that left, you know, we, we forgot too that like Beretta left. And I think that's kind of sad because I thought Beretta was going to have a great year. Uh, he had been out hurt most of 19 and, and I think took the money because he had been hurt and had dealt with some injuries and why not take the money? But I think he would have had a great year, but instead Robbie Eagle steps up kind of in that spot. And without, with the departure of Beretta, let's say, for example, would Eagles have gotten the opportunity to really step up within chaos and to become the team, the perfect partner for Osprey, the counterbalance to him, but the gel kind of with him. Um, so every departure leads to more opportunity. And everybody that's gotten an opportunity in 2019 has stepped up. Have you seen much of AEW over the last year? What are your thoughts on it so far? It's not my cup of tea. Uh, but I, again, there's plenty of tea bags in the, in the grocery store shelves and I pretty much will stick with one or two, uh, tried and true, but I, I don't go too far on the ends of the shelves. Um, it's, it's not, it's not a show made for me. It's not a show that I, when I've watched it, I've really been fascinated by. It's a, it's a, to me, it's a little bit of a, uh, they play fast, they play loud, but it may not necessarily be good music. So uh, to each his own. But there are some people that like fast and loud. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it is a, it's that indie style that I never was a fan of to begin with that now has been put forth on television. And so those guys have a platform and they're staying true to who they are and nobody's telling them what to do. So they're just able to do what they want to do for good or for bad. But um, yeah, no, good for all of them. I hope they all make lots and lots and lots of money. Yeah, definitely agreed. Um, so sticking with the topic of TV in the US, which is uh, quite a hot topic right now, with Access TV pulling out of showing New Japan, where do you see New Japan fitting in when it comes to TV in the States? And how important do you think TV in the States is to NJPW management? 
Well, that's a great question. And because as we're recording this just uh, a couple of days prior, the announcement that Anthem, who owns Access TV, they also own Impact Wrestling, they decided not to continue the relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I felt it was an awkwardly worded social media post that was put out that was a little bit uh, vague, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally. This is an Anthem decision. Anthem had the right, Access had the right uh, for 2020. And I was told they were going to pick up the option for next year. They were going to continue to run with it. We were going to do same day live for Wrestle Kingdom. We were going to look to do more same day live, big show coverage all throughout the year that we did at Wrestle Kingdom. Then we did on the Saturdays of the G1. We were going to look to do more uh, Saturday same day lives on access. But it's a rights fee issue. It's a money issue. Anthem didn't want to pay to carry New Japan Pro Wrestling. And if you think about it, why should they? They own Impact. They're, they have Impact on the air. Why would they pay for another wrestling promotion to be on their network? And you could say whatever you want about whether or not it would benefit Impact if New Japan was there, if they could somehow get the two together on the same night or whatever, whatever. I don't know. But it just came down to dollars and cents, and Anthem isn't going to pay the money for it. So that was all it was. Man. And as do, you, far, do you think that impact as far oh, as and, and just the rest of Joel's question, um, there's nothing on the horizon that I've been told about in terms of TV deals that are pending. But if I'm a if I'm in programming and I have the opportunity to get New Japan Pro Wrestling on in a of competitive television landscape where wrestling is back on people's radar again in terms of TV with the moves of Fox and SmackDown and, uh, you know, all the machinations on Wednesday nights, why not, why not make a call and see what it would be? Uh, it'd be in, there's a lot of moving parts with a Japanese promotion and time of day and separation, but what this really means now is that New Japan Pro Wrestling and New Japan World and the ownership of the, the co-ownership with TVSI, they have no excuse because now the key for success in 2020 in America and beyond is to grow New Japan World. And period, end of sentence. That's all that needs to happen. Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, is was, was access a deal breaker? I mean, in your eyes from, from an, a, a North American, Western eyes point of view, or like I said, or what you said, is New Japan World really enough for to satisfy that that western audience i think it is um you know uncle dave seems to think that every new new japan fan came through access tv um i i didn't run across that many folks that watched it and that's not to say they didn't they never had ratings to go on i do know the show was great I do know that they really took time, care, effort, and energy to put the best television show on, whether it was six months to a year, uh, you know, in the past, or whether it was same day live. They busted their ass to make a great wrestling show. But I said after the three Corrigans to end the year that those Road to shows, Road to Tokyo Dome, were the best 
go-home episodes of wrestling television that I've ever been a part of. That's all you need. You just need eyes on it. You need to make it easier for people to be able to watch it. You need to make it simple, make it turnkey, make it available on every single device and Roku and apps and PS4 and everything else. And you need to have a marketing campaign to tell people about it. So just just putting a few tweets out there on old SNS, for me, that's not marketing. But I'm 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 a I'm a marketing person. That's my you know, I have a sales background and I know the power of advertising and I know how to grow a brand. And relying on word of mouth and social media is only going to get you so far. Has that been a frustrating piece of the puzzle in your involvement with New Japan? Has that been a source of, of maybe banging the head against the wall a little bit, kind of showing them that, hey, we should be doing more, and hey, we should be available here, but it's that slow process of you know just about every corporation and every company, it seems like, to get just get the thing done and cut through the red tape? Yeah, I think that's... I never hear anybody that says, oh, my God, my company spends way too much money on advertising. Oh, our marketing budget is so just over, just bloated. And we're spending all this dough uh, on all of these campaigns. Holy crap. No, it doesn't happen. So I think where my, and, and it's frustration with a small F, you know, I'm not angered about it. It is what it is. Um I can control what I can control. They've asked my opinion. I've given it. I've told them, and it's not, it's not anything that uh, others haven't shared. I'm not breaking a lot of new ground when I'm telling you that the common sense wisdom that I've heard on this podcast, on the Voices of Wrestling, throughout the network, every show, you've covered it all. You've hit every single point that either me or others that have been asked have told them. So, uh, why isn't it done? Well, because it's may it may not be the biggest priority to them. I think part of it is cultural that because apps and streaming channels and things like that are not very prominent or uh, huge in Japan like they are here, that it's a little bit different. And that TV is still the go-to. What is there, 15 channels that people rely on in Japan? And it's pretty much it. <laughs> and everything else is, uh, you know, oh, you're one of those, uh, you're one of those kids that's watching the new stuff. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of people with flip phones in Japan still. So the it, it's where we need to get to. Uh, and I think part of it might be that. Uh, you know, there's a couple of different, well, which budget is it going to come out of and who's going to pay for it? And who, where, where's the manpower coming from and how do we divide up this and how do we divide up that? When they went into this venture, they weren't thinking about those questions. You know, Kadani was just like, no, I want to be as big as WWE. I want to compete with these guys and blah, 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 blah. And New Japan World, 9.99 yen a month. So... Now they're figuring out, oh, we've got to divvy up all this. Well, we got to get this done. How are we going to get it done? And it's slow to act. Right. You know, speaking of TV, Kevin, sadly, uh, it was announced to start a match 
Wrestle Kingdom. It's not going to be televised. I know you were excited to to, to sink your teeth into that and that new oh, promotion. Yeah. Do, you, do you see yourself having an opportunity to call a stardom match in, in, in 2020? And, and, and what are your thoughts on uh, the acquisition of, of, of stardom by Bushi Road? First of all, I, I think that any disappointment, because it's not going to be broadcast on World, I think is missing the point. The point is, Stardom is now owned by the same company that owns New Japan Pro Wrestling. Keep in mind that a few years ago, my first Wrestle Kingdom, we had to sit through a, I think it was Buddy Fight, some weird stage show. Right. Were you there for that? I was there it for was, that, Kevin. Yes. Damn it, I didn't know what the hell this was. And I, it, it was a, it's a, a Bushy Road product. And they wanted to have a little signage, a little, you know, presentation. This is stardom, man. This is stardom getting uh, a crack at the dome. And, hey, listen, the TV deal that they have, it precludes them from being broadcast on New Japan World. But this is still more eyes, I would imagine, uh, than... I, I can't even tell you how many stardom shows it would be uh, before them to be in front of a collective 40,000 plus, but it, I would imagine it's quite a few. Right. So good for them. Good for stardom. Do I anticipate anything changing in 2020? I have no idea because it's all tied into their TV relationship. So however quickly things change in that regard, then we will change. I don't think I'm the right person for it, first of all. I think there are probably other announcers out there who are much more knowledgeable than me about Joshi who could do a much better job than I could. Uh, but I would be happy to help if they, if they brought over inexperienced announcers or something like that. I would be more than happy to help produce and help them get as great as they can but there are many, many more announcers that are much more knowledgeable than me about that product. My God. Send your demos to Kevin Kelly, care of New Japan ah! Pro Wrestling. <laughs> I was going to have, Damon, I was going to have you and Joel pre-screen everybody, please. Oh. You know, just... <laughs> yeah, we might not be the best ones for that one either. Uh, that's okay. All right, change of subject here. What are your thoughts on New Japan's According to some relatively conservative approach to Western expansion, what do you think the successes and next steps are? Well, we'll see how 2020 goes. Um, I think like 2019 started off awkwardly uh, with the visa issues that pre prevented some Japanese talent from being there. But I felt like the last outing uh, on November the 9th was really strong. And I think that that's kind of the blueprint of where this needs to be going forward. Um, I, I, we'll see how the, the New Beginning Tour does. Uh, I think there'll be growing pains. I think there are there's a knowledge base that may not be being tapped into that's currently there. Uh, and those people will need to eventually be heard that the other decision makers right now might be reticent to say, oh, well, tell us what you think. Now we're gonna, they're, they're at first going to say, we're going to work through our plan, and if it doesn't work, then we might turn to you. That's kind of where we are right now. So we'll, we'll see. I think that 
it's great that we're going to all these new markets. I think it's great that fans from from Miami to Nashville to Durham, North Carolina, my God, are going to get to see new, a New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, branded event uh, and throw in Atlanta and Tampa as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think it's going to provide some opportunity for some uh, for, for some unknowns from, you know, in terms of New Japan Pro Wrestling, but guys that are going to factor in. Let me ask you this. Would you be shocked if Amazing Red is not in the best of Super Juniors coming up this upcoming uh, spring? Absolutely. Of course he has to be, right? I, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean... Look, I don't want to say that that was a tryout. These these you know shows and 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 uh, the events that he was on the Philly show. I don't want to say a tryout. I don't. I don't think that's right. But yeah, I think he's opened eyes to to his talents that maybe people might not have recognized. And I think he's a shoe in next year. Absolutely right. Uh, he, uh, he's an absolute shoe in. Has to be. So that's now. Listen, Amazing Red is a different. We can't compare him to everybody else. Amazing Red is, you know, uh, top of the list of, of guys in that junior heavyweight division over the last 20 years. Uh, but there are other names out there, and there are other guys out there who are going to earn more opportunities, not just in the U.S., but also hopefully in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling in Japan, based upon what they do on these shows. So... There's a little bit of, uh, I think that on the scouting end, you know, that, that they're looking for guys that would fit in not only on these shows, but that also would, would work well in terms of a Japanese audience. You know, TJP, somebody like that who has New Japan experience, I think he could be, I think he's pretty much, you know, a name that I would be surprised if he's not in Best of Super Juniors. And those are just two examples, you know. There needs to be some heavyweight guys, you know, brought forward too. And there's some heavyweight talent that's out there. There's guys that would love to have the opportunity to compete for New Japan Pro Wrestling. There's going to be, uh, if you remember the announcement about New Japan Pro Wrestling of America and Obari-san and that presentation, and he held up the map, and he had the, you know, areas circled of the country. Those oh, are sure. legit. Like, that is exactly what New Japan Pro Wrestling of America is going to be in 2020. And I think that we'll probably be coming to all of those areas, at least one, in 2020. So, you know, so that means the Midwest. That means Texas. That means, you know, we've got this first tour in the Southeast. That means a probable return to the Northeast. Um, and California as well. So those are, you know, I think that's exciting for, for everybody that they're very true to their word and, and the mission statement and kind of what they put forth. That's what they're going to do. Whether or not it's successful or not will boil down to logistics. Are we moving the pieces in the right order? Uh, should we plot these tours out a little bit differently? You know, uh, Ed Cohen, who, you know, God rest his soul, was one of the all-time great, was the live event director of WWF for many, many years. The boys used to rib him incessantly because they say, Ed, you book towns like with a dartboard. You just blindly throw darts at the board. And that's the routing. You don't have a clue, you know. They're, they're busting his chops all the time. That's one of the things that, 
they're going to go through this time. Like, wait, why are we zigzagging all up and down the southeast? Hmm. Well, because they don't necessarily, and, you know, we could get the building on this day. We couldn't get it on this day. All right. Well, cool. It, those types of things happen. So uh, it may not necessarily go in a horseshoe or a, a circle or whatever might be the most, the easiest way to get around, but they'll make all the towns and everything will be great. Uh, Kevin, you were just talking about some of the part-time talent that have popped in to do short runs with the company and made a really good impression, uh, particularly in Best of the Super Juniors. Last year, we had guys like Marty Skull, Bandido, Jonathan Gresham coming from Ring of Honor to make a really positive impact. But unfortunately, it seems like the relationship between New Japan and Ring of Honor is surfing the drain at the moment. What are your thoughts on that whole situation, having worked for both companies? Well, I think... I think it's probably in Ring of Honor's best interest to focus on their own brand and their own product and start to identify uh, their next crop of stars and get them over with their fan base first before you're putting them out on a big stage. Because when we were booking you know, the shows with ROH and with New Japan, we knew exactly who to put in against, you know, the New Japan top guys, uh, against the New Japan middle card, against the New Japan underneath guys. They are just embracing a bunch of new faces and names. And there, there are some guys there that are, you know, they don't know quite what to do with yet, but they've just gotten started. So, it's good. Let them figure out what they're doing. Let them make sure that they've got everybody set for their business and they can focus on their towns and their talent and their television without having the distraction of, oh, we got to work with New Japan and what are we going to do here and how are we going to get there? And we got to make sure that, you know, the bus is on time and everything like that. So let them worry about their stuff and uh, then, you know, maybe circle back once their house is more, you know, solidified for the, for the next run. Kevin, let's, let's, let's talk Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. We're all excited. I know, I know that you're geared up and, 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 and ready to go for two nights at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, who's walking away double champion? And maybe more importantly, who's going over to? Uh, I think everybody is like, uh, you know, tugging on the heartstrings and wanting Naito to uh, finally do it. And I've heard you guys talk about it. Everybody's like, oh, this has got to be his time. I think Naito's the guy that walks away 0-2. I just, I just don't see it. Um, can he win? Sure, of course. But where everything is now, is he beating Jay White? And then is he beating Ibushi and Okada, Ibushi or Okada? It's certainly not going to be Okada, right? Okada's not going 0-2. Right. Um, I think it's I, – I, I think the winner of the Okada-Ibushi match is the one who wins the vote. Now, I talked about the idea of there being a letdown, and there is a letdown. Okada doesn't care. He does not care at all about the Intercontinental title. Uh, but he wants to prove that he's the best, 
So he's going to have some, they're going to have to pull two singles matches out of their asses in 24 hours, two dome main events out of their rear ends in 24 hours. And I just don't know if Naito's got it. I just don't know. I would put my money on Jay White. I would put my money on Ibushi. I'd put my money on Okada before I would on Tetsuya United. Are you going to be able to get out of the Tokyo Dome okay when LIJ fans torch the building? <laughs> <laughs> I guess is my next question. <laughs> Listen, you got evil in the Never Six fans. You got uh, the returning Hiromu. You got, come on, you got Sonata. You got Shingo in a in a never deal, you know, eight man. What more could you want for LIJ? Pump the brakes, people. No, listen, we were there. The air completely sucked out of the Tokyo Dome when Naito didn't win a couple of years ago, and the bloom's off the rose as far as I'm concerned. Um, and we can't turn back the hands of time. Now, if he goes out and does it, then I'll be the wrong one. I'll be the, you know... I'll take the uh, I'll take the the slings and arrows and all of Lij fandom will rejoice. Babies will be thrown in the air, as they say. Um, and and good for him if he's able to do it. But if if gun to my head, I've got to pick one guy to go zero and two. It's Naito more than anybody else. No, oh. that's that. Now that's a hot take, Kevin. Uh, speaking of hot takes, and of course Jushin Liger retiring in just a few days and i'm already shedding tears yeah uh what has been some of your highlights for you in either calling matches or you know a great liger story you can share with our audience um what are are some of the memories that you have uh that 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 you're going to be able to take to your grave of this revolutionary pro wrestler well he's not only uh a great ambassador for professional wrestling uh, with one of the greatest careers of all time. But he is every bit the gentleman behind the scenes that you would imagine. Um, If there was ever a guy with his resume, with his legacy, who ever had a moment where, hey, I'm going to be a diva and I'm going to play that card, it's not Liger, right? But Liger could do it, but that's not him. In fact, he's the opposite. He's the most selfless person I know. He's wonderful. Two quick stories. Uh, When ROH and New Japan were working together, we had an opportunity. It was a a match with Kushida against somebody, and it was a singles match. And I wanted to have Liger do commentary with me. I never thought it was going to happen. I first asked Tiger Hattori, who talked to Liger about it, and it was no, no, no. And then Hattori came back to me later on in the day, and he said, are you serious? You really want Liger? I said, yes, please, just for Kushida. Okay, okay, he'll do it. Holy shit, he's going to do it with me. And we did commentary together for the Kushida match, and it was wonderful. I loved it. I just had him put Kushida over, which is all I wanted. And he did, and it was just, I was was doing commentary with Jushin Thunder Liger. Then... The other story is when we were together for the British Jacob tour, uh, not this last one, but the year before. And we started, we had everybody together in Portsmouth, and then we had to go up to Manchester. And it was like a six hour bus ride. And it was a lot of like confusion with the coach and the company and the, the this, that, and the other thing. And we wound up getting it all squared away. And the driver was an asshole and we all wanted to fight him. 
And we finally got to the hotel in Manchester about 5.30 in the morning. And I just wanted the New Japan guys to get to their hotel. And this driver is dicking around with the bags and everything like this. And finally, I just started motherfucking this guy. <laughs> screaming at him, right? All because I'm thinking, Jushin Thunder Liger is here. And he, it's late, and he's tired, and he wants to go to sleep. So the next day, Liger says to me, hey, crazy driver, huh? I go, yeah, right? Oh, Ken's on very angry. I like it. So <laughs> we bonded over that like it was like you wouldn't believe. So they were all, all the boys were happy that I uh, cursed this driver out because they were all angry, but were never going to say anything. And I took the I took the bullet for the team. But boy, there was a hop in that driver's step after OKK got on the case. Let me tell you something. Nice but, job, uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, that, that's just who Liger is. He's just a wonderful guy, and everybody goes out of their way to make sure he's happy and comfortable. And yet, he never wants any of that. He's fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> he's just a, a wonderful guy, and it's going to be, uh, you know. Each little moment along the way, he's done something special for the fans, and I got a feeling he's going to write these final chapters, you know, at the, the fourth, fifth, and then the retirement ceremony on, at the at Dash on the sixth. Everybody's going to remember this uh, for the rest of their lives. So, yeah, it's going to be special. So, Kevin, we've also got the commentary desk sorted for Wrestle Kingdom. Please talk to us about working with Gino Gambino because – I know people have their reservations at the start, but I genuinely think he's become one of the best English-speaking color commentators out there. And the two of you seem to have great chemistry already. Well, it's it's uh, and thank you. Yes, we um, he's worked hard, very conscientious of his efforts, and takes feedback very well. I'll tell him something once, and he remembers it. So good on him for for being a good student in that regard. Um, it's, it's Chris, uh, Gino slash Rocky and me. So I'm not quite sure how Rocky and Gino are going to split up their time in the two days, but I think kind of the belief is three is enough and four is too many. So we'll have them tag out occasionally. Um, but we haven't figured that out yet and probably won't until the day of, but you know, I would imagine Rocky will call the chaos matches. Uh, Gino will call the bullet club matches and Gino will call. Yeah. Gino will call the semifinal night one with Naito and Jay white. And then it'll be Rocky for the main event. That's probably what will happen, but no, it, I, I've been thrilled and it's a, uh, and we've also kind of gotten Chris like in his, sweet spot because he's he's not a color commentator per se he's not an analyst not a former wrestler but he's a historian and he he knows the translation game and he understands the cultural nuances of a lot of what what happens so that's where i really rely on him chris tell me about this why is this important and he does um and Rocky's Rocky and, and is a true pro and fantastic. So, yeah, I'm very happy with 
how all of this is working out. And what are you most looking forward to on the two Wrestle Kingdom cards? Um, when we get together, you know, in the afternoon, probably about, what, on the third, maybe, and we have a couple of strong zeros, you, me, Damon, the mates, where are we going to be? How are we going to do this? Come on, figure this out. That's all I care about. <laughs> 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 that's all i care about too come to think of it Kevin, right no that's what i care about i want to see you guys i just want to have fun i want to get through the both shows with with my voice intact yeah it you this is what number six seven uh, i mean i don't even know how many you've done so far any butterflies fourth. fourth okay uh, fourth any um, butterflies anything any do you get nervous do you get the jitters the the uh, throat get a little dry or is this like okay I, I i got this i got the big building down and i'm ready to go it takes your breath away because the building is so big it's different than anything else um it is very important uh to remember that it's a four hour plus show and you know you can't hit the you know it's the baseball analogy you 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 can't hit the uh five run home run so there's no reason to blow your voice out early pace yourself relax drink plenty of water just do the same thing that i do every other show if it's a road to from corican or if it's tokyo dome just treat it the same because the audience expects information I think our audience doesn't want to be screamed at and yell a bunch of pop culture references at. So I got to give them information. I got to let the action kind of speak for itself. I got to provide value to the broadcast and not get too big for my britches. So that's pretty much it. Um, there's, a, there's a saying within the locker room, and I won't say who it's attributed to, but it's a joke that we all kind of tell amongst ourselves. Today, house show, man. No pressure. House show. Hmm. Every day, house show, right? It's never TV. It's never the dome. Why? Nervous? House show. Come on. So we all joke. Um, and that's how we just try to treat it. Like it's another show, like it's another day. Obviously, it's not. It's the freaking Tokyo Dome. And it's Wrestle Kingdom. So you try to manage that as best you can. We're hearing ticket sales are doing pretty well, and we're looking at right right around forty thousand for night one, and over thirty thousand for night two so far, and and that's not including you know projected walk ups to 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 a certain degree. You never know what's going to happen on night two. So, I mean, do you think that New Japan would roll the dice again with a double dome and with the success of the ticket sales so far? Um, well, it's got to work out calendar wise. Uh, the weekend, of course, is pristine for this to happen. Running Sunday, Monday? Eh, I don't see that happening. Uh, but yeah, I think if, if schedule and calendar permitting, absolutely. Now, the one change that I think we can all agree on that should have happened sooner and glad it's happened now is running Otaku instead of Corican for Dash. Yeah. Because it's a bigger building, and I think it should be clean for tickets. If it's not, it's pretty damn close. Uh, but it's just a bigger building and a better atmosphere. Um, 
we would like it better if it was right next door at Cork and we would just walk right over from the Tokyo Dome Hotel, but so be it. We'll take the bus ride down and, and but, you know, in 4,000 plus instead of 1,700, that's always better. Uh, so that that's a, a change I think can happen every year. But Double Dome, it's going to have to be something very, very special. And I don't anticipate them breaking the mold and going back in the old ways and saying, oh, well, we'll run the Tokyo Dome more often. I think, no, it's always going to be special January 4th. Is there another dome opportunity? Uh, probably not in 2020 because of the Olympics. But I would imagine that there's probably some promoters in Osaka or Fukuoka who have had conversations about their dome facilities and whether or not they might be right for a New Japan venue. All right. But Kevin, what other matches are you most excited about at Wrestle Kingdom? Can't sleep on Jericho and Tanahashi, that's for sure. Uh, just because of what those guys, what their resumes say. I'm interested to see. I think Tana's going to come in in great shape. Uh, the bodybuilding competition was a stroke of genius by Tanahashi. There were some within the locker room that questioned it, like, what? Bodybuilding competition? And Tana was recruiting guys, trying to get them to join, to do this. Why did he do this? Because he needed motivation to get his ass ready to look the best that he could be and to feel as good as he possibly can to make sure that he can blow Jericho's doors off on the 5th. He wants people to work out with him all the time. He wants people to join in with him. He wants everybody to be at their best. And But I think there's a little extra selfish motivation there too. He's always looking for that chip on his shoulder, always looking for that edge. And I think he's he may have found it. Um, I'm very, very, very fascinated to see what's going to happen with um, the U.S. title, night one, and then night two. Uh, whoever wins night one, it's going to be a hell of a war. Juice is going to have a huge advantage going into night two. Yes, he wrestles the tag team title match night one. Yes, it's important. Yes, but it's a tag match. These guys, whether Archer or Moxley are both in this Texas death thing, what kind of shape are they going to be in? Um, so I'm interested in that situation. Um, what else? Um, kind of the, those undercard eight mans on night one are a little bit, yeah. I think you guys hit the nail on the head. You know, underwhelming, not quite what we hoped it would be. But it is what it is. And, you know, night two, we'll see if the, the Never Gauntlet is, is worth our time. I think it'll be decent. Uh, Kenta Goto should be great. Uh, if I don't see Castiori Shibata at ringside, I'll eat my hat <laughs> at some point during that match. I don't even wear hats. I'll have to go buy one at Don Q and then eat it. Um, and then, you know, we'll see who gets uh, their hands raised. The, the hands raised with both belts at the end of uh, night two. Uh, and we'll see if all the LIJ fans are, are crying for their roll call that they wanted for so long and, uh, or if, or if they're denied once again, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's going to be great. 
Yeah, both of us can't wait for that as well. And looking past Wrestle Kingdom, what are you most looking forward to in 2020? Please give us some of your predictions for the coming year. The well, I think we've already seen with uh, Domin- with uh, the home of Dominion, the host for Dominion, Osaka Joe Hall being utilized in February for uh, the New Beginning. That's going to be something interesting. I have a feeling that we will see the big announcement about the big shows in 2020 at some point during Wrestle Kingdom. So I don't think we'll have to wait too long. Um, is, the, is there a return to Madison Square Garden in 2020? It wouldn't shock me. Oh. I would love it. I, I haven't heard anything. Uh, I'm just, just going from gut feeling, but why not? And um, I think uh, it'd be interesting to see how the schedule works out in 2020 with the Olympics. It's going to be a different year. Those of us that kind of have our calendar and our mindset to the way things have been over the last few years, especially the G1, the G1 is going to be very different this year. So we'll see how that affects the rest of the schedule. Um, And let me think. What else? Uh, that's pretty much it. I'm looking forward to seeing what the what the calendar is going to look like with the Olympics, kind of changing everything up. Uh, but it'll be a different year. It'll be fun. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Do you have anything you want to plug before we go? I would like to uh, thank uh, Boozy Leprechaun for the, uh, the 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 Hot Chili Deathmatch Challenge for their sponsorship. That was wonderful. Uh, I would also like to thank Manscaped for their sponsorship. Uh, I would like you to contribute uh, redcircle.com forward slash super dash J dash cash. <laughs> and I, I really want to thank you guys for what you have done. Uh, not only providing hours and hours of free entertainment for me and for all of us, me especially on these flights, because I listen to most of the voices of wrestling roster and, and their various podcasts. Uh, but you guys in particular for your fair handed approach to everything, you say what you like, you say what you don't like and you're open-minded yet you're true to your convictions. Um, I think you guys have really grown in your chemistry and I just, I enjoy listening to you guys each and every episode. So I really, that was really all I wanted to do. I wanted to plug you guys and say thank you to, for you guys in the voice of wrestling for what you do for, for New Japan Pro Wrestling and for all us fans out here. What a gentleman. That's just really humbling. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Let's have, nice a, uh, let's have a strong zero. You, Damon, just message me. We'll figure, we'll coordinate a time and we'll crack one open and we'll, uh, we'll ring in the new year and we'll uh, all be very happy to be together. Kevin, it would be our pleasure. First one on us. It sounds like a wonderful time. Have a safe flight over. We'll see you in Tokyo, and we definitely appreciate you taking the time for us here today. You got it. Happy New Year, everybody.